evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome in, and we are back on the air with Hoopsville as we roll along on this Monday evening, December 11th. I'm Dave McHugh, your host. Welcome in. Forgive the bit of the scruffy look. We're supposed to have some basketball games over the weekend. Figured I'd get my shave in then. Didn't do it. And I figured I'll just keep going with a little bit of a scruff for a little while. Got questions for us? You can email us, hoopsville at d 3 Sports.com. You can find us on social media at D3 Hoopsville is the most common way to find us. Whether it be Twitter slash X, Instagram, or threads, you can also use the hashtag Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We're the live simulcasting the program as we speak. We're also live simulcasting on YouTube, YouTube.com slash D3 Hoopsville. All the ways you can interact with us. We look forward to hearing from you and how. Ever you decide to interact about <laughs> and we've already lost our camera for the first segment gotta love it <laughs> i don't know what goes on with our little system but every once in a while it decides that the uh, camera is not to work gosh darn it it shall not work i deem it so and here we are uh camera that's ceased to work but i got an advantage i might be able to fix it I killed my audio there. Uh, we'll try and fix this while we're on air here because I, I found a way to do it and I can do it right in front of me here. But we get a chance here to talk about the new men's top 25 that is out. We will hopefully be getting the new women's top 25 sooner rather than later. But the new men's one is going to take some uh, headlines because it is the closest top 25 uh, at number one at least in quite some time. Uh, I have to double check Pat's tweet earlier about uh, specifically where that is. But in the grand scheme of things, we have just one vote um, breaking up, as it were, the number one and number two slots in the poll. That's how it is as of these, uh, as, as we go on the air now, I should say. And so, interesting... Uh, Situation, to say the least, as we get the camera back up and running there. Um, so it seems it's interesting. You know what? This this fouled up YouTube. We'll, we'll try and get you or uh, Facebook. When the camera went froze, Facebook stopped streaming. So we're going to go back and get that up and running here in just a moment. Um, but as I was saying, um, Let's let's see here. Actually, I'm going to take a step back here. Uh, I'm doing five things at the same time, so so bear with us, folks, uh, as we are trying to get back to what we had been doing. Um, anyway, so the top top twenty five. What I'm getting at: John Carroll is our number one team. They were number one last week. Calvin is the number two team. They were the number two team last week. But the difference is one vote, just one vote. Um, that one vote being. Uh, 582 to 581. So John Carroll, who's got, uh, let's see, 13 first place votes, is sitting in first. And Calvin, who's got five first place votes, is sitting in second with 581 points. What, what that basically means is that well, you can decipher this. It, what's what's what I find interesting about it is that it means voters are 
somewhat sold on Calvin, but they're not sold on or as sold maybe is a better way of saying that as sold on john carroll and i and i find that somewhat fascinating because i thought carroll would have been the team more teams would have been or more voters would have been sold on but maybe i'm just completely lost my mind on that um i really thought that's how that would have worked but what do i know as they say uh, i'm just i'm talking kind of in code there because i'm literally trying to get our stream up in the air it is ready to go so I'm, we're now back up on facebook for anybody who enjoys us on facebook live to uh, uh live stream or it's starting we'll see if it actually fires uh of course we are up on youtube.com um closing that window to see if this yep we're up and running so we're back on facebook due to the camera so that's interesting learn something new with facebook which we I suspected a little while ago when our camera goes and it goes back to a graphic it kills the stream as if we we had, uh, it's stupid but I digress what do I know anyway uh so John Carroll's number one 13 players first place votes 582 points Calvin is number two five first place votes 581 points Guilford by the way is sitting third they've got four first place votes 11 points behind Calvin I may add Oswego uh, is in fourth, same spot they were last time with 544. There's definitely a, a discrepancy there, but they've got one first place vote. That remains me, by the way. I am that first place vote. Then you've got Tufts jumping from 12th to 5th. They've got two first place votes. So two voters last week who were voting for John Carroll, Calvin, or Guilford, not Oswego because I'm the only one voting for them, number one jumped off and joined tufts i know one of them is ryan scott he tweeted yesterday sunday that information that he had jumped in with the tufts uh scenario so he tufts jumps up from fifth i'll admit i moved them up myself but i wasn't putting them first um hamden city by the way is six whitewater is seven uh th those two just swapped spots they are 36 points different now. Case Western stays in 8th. NYU stays in ninth. Trinity moved from 13th to 10. Keene fell from 5th to 11th. Now, Keene lost earlier uh, this week to Tufts. Now, here's where it gets interesting with voters, in my opinion. I had, last week, Tufts ahead of Keene in my top 25. So in my top 25, I expected Tufts to win. I was so impressed with how Tufts won, I jumped them up. Keene actually moved up one because they went two out of three, winning two out of three during the week. I moved them up one spot. Most voters flipped that. Now, that probably means that most voters had Keene above Tufts last week. And so normally I, I get a little upset when I see a vote where the a team that was receiving good you know, was in the top 25, but behind another one, loses votes and falls because of a loss to that team ahead of them. But in this case, I think a lot of voters had it flipped. So Keene fell to 11. Christopher Newport uh, moved down a couple of spots, probably just because everyone's trying to move pieces around. That has nothing to do with Christopher Newport. Uh, and again, I don't know the point totals off the top of my head. I should have had this split. I didn't have that. Mount Union fell a couple spots as well. Emory stayed still. Elmers jumped up six spots. WPI moved up a spot. Wash U fell a spot, basically just switching places. Williams stayed where they are. Trine is, stays where they are. Widener jumps in at 20th. Pomona Pitzer is up. 
I'm sorry, down one to 21. Trinity, Texas, uh, up one to 22. Illinois College, up two to 23. Platteville into the poll for the first time. And Swarthmore falls 10 spots after losing to Widener. Again, I think there's a lot of voters who are repositioning teams. And so you see teams who may have won or didn't play falling a couple spots despite the fact that they didn't really do anything to fall. Again, got to look at the point differential. By the way, Pat mentioned, I know the last one was uh, involved MIT. I got to look them up on the tweets uh, once again to double check what Pat said. Uh, Bear with me as I call up the Twitters. We're not in the same workflow due to some changes with uh, Twitter, which is not so much fun. So the last time the men's top 25 was just one point separated for was week one of 2012-2013. So uh, 11 seasons ago when MIT got 600 votes uh, points in Virginia Wesleyan at 599. I can tell that was one and two, even if Pat doesn't say it, because the point total there. So it's been a long time since it's been this close. Uh, Again, it just tells you that more voters are kind of in agreement that Calvin's probably, a let's argue, a top five program. Let's look. 581 divided by 25 is 23.24 points. That basically puts you a little above third, puts you second and three quarters in the vote. Remember, top number one is 25 points. Number two is 24 points. Number three is 23 points. Sorry, I have this wrong. Number four is 22. So it puts you at about three and three quarters where all the voters have you. Considering you're getting five first place votes, that probably means everybody's got you between second and fourth. Well, no, second and fifth is where most voters have them. For example, I've got Calvin sitting, though. I'm I'm the outlier of that. I've got Calvin seventh. So again, so let's just say seventh. Maybe I'm on the low end. So voters are got Calvin between seven and two with five first place votes. So there's five voters at number one and they're at 23.24, which means they're sitting at about, you know, three and in, in a in a quarter spot, three and three quarter spot closer to four. That's interesting. Now, John Carroll, in the meantime, has 582 points, about 25 voters. That's 23.28. That puts him just a smidge above uh, Calvin, but because they've got 13 voters voting him first, which means of their 581 points, 325 of them are coming from first place votes. Half the poll is voting them number one. By the way, I'm not one of those. So you take that, take 325, 582 minus 325, you're left with 257 votes. You divide that by 12, and your answer is 21.4. So that averages out that the voters have got them, that the, those 12 voters have them further down at 21 points, 25, 24, 23, 22, 21. It's really interesting that the voters have John Carroll, either 13 voters are all in with them, the other 12 voters are all over the place with them. Calvin's voters are a little bit more compacted. Um, And Guilford's are a little bit more. I've got Guilford two. Uh, I've got Carroll three. And again, I've got Calvin seven. And I'm not going to tell you any way, shape, or form that I'm accurate with that. That's just my read as of now. 
I've seen a number of ballots online. I don't read them because I, I'm probably one of the last voters just due to my schedule to get my ballot put together. So when I'm seeing votes out there, I try not to read them so they don't impact me. But I know Quillman has put his vote out there. Obviously, Ryan Scott has. Uh, I know there's a whole podcast from the Snyder Boys about their top 25 ballot. Um, Matt Snyder, could. I don't think Zach has a vote, but Matt does. And so they kind of talk about it. Um, Akiva Poppers, I think, puts, yeah, I know he puts his ballot out there. Uh, uh, Rainiac puts his vote out there. And there may be some others. I don't know if Winnable does it consistently. I used to blog mine, but to be honest, I haven't had time. Um, next couple of weeks, I certainly do, so I may blog it out again. Um, anyway, really interesting on the men's side. Women's side, we'll be talking about it. The women's poll will be coming up um, today, tonight, by the way, I should point out. We will have our women's pundits on the show. We will have um, Scott Peterson and Riley Zayas joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline to talk about the top 25. Uh, Gordon Mann isn't isn't able to join us. Hopefully we'll have a new top 25 by that point. We usually do, but I know things can get a little wonky sometimes behind the scenes. But we'll talk to uh, Scott Peterson and Riley Zayas. Similar to the conversation we had with um, Bob Quillman and Matt Snyder last week, who's your number one? Which on the women's side right now is really interesting because Transylvania, if you remember a couple weeks ago, fell out of first plates into second behind NYU, but the votes are split. We'll talk to those guys about who they're voting for. We'll also talk to them about who, you know, who else is kind of on, uh, they think is playing really well, maybe has surprised them a little bit. Who's off the radar, who probably should be more on the radar, at least is on their radar. We'll also talk to them about uh, any other things that they're noticing in women's basketball. And of course, um, the best game that they've seen so far in the opening month of the season. Because we're just past a month. Remember, November 8th was the official start. Really, everybody got going around the 11th. So we're really a month into the season here officially in Division Three basketball. Once again, you can interact with us lots of different ways. It's on the bottom of your screen. But if you just happen to be listening, uh, Hoopsville at D3Sports.com. Social media is at D3Hoopsville. You can also join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And on YouTube, again, it's youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. We're live simulcasting on Facebook and YouTube. Sorry for the slight glitch in our giddy-up on Facebook. We just learned that when the camera crashes, it uh, it stops our stream on Facebook. It's a little too automated there on the Facebook side of things, to, for my liking. Uh, I wish there was a little bit of a built-in there so you could adapt to that. It still amazes me that schools even use them uh, still for... Uh, for uh, streaming purposes uh, but i digress um other guests by the way you might have noticed over my shoulder if you're watching on the screen we do have our our board back up uh widener and oberlin are going to be our guests tonight widener men's basketball coach craig um i always forget craig's name and that's my own fault uh because you know i'm not thinking with my head straight uh Curidio, craig Curidio will be joining us to talk about his pride. We talked to him earlier today. We talked about the pride. We talked about the huge win they had over Swarthmore, plus the rest of the season and what they're building towards. We also talk about the revamped Mac Commonwealth. We'll also talk to Stephanie Dunmire, head coach of Oberlin. They're off to a tremendous start on the women's side of things. We talked to Stephanie about that and what she's expecting from the team and what is, an, I think, going to be an interesting NCAC race on the women's side. So that's everything we've got ahead tonight. We'll also keep an eye on the scoreboard tonight. Um, some interesting results out there in the last week. That's what our top 25 pretty much revealed. 
Um, I think the NESCAC is going to be one to watch, not because it's it's bonkers good like we've been so used to, but because I'm not sure who's going to rise up. Is this Trinity and Tufts on the men's side to take? Where in the meantime, Trinity women, for example, are fault have faltered slightly, lost to Roger Williams and MIT now. Tufts women have also taken a few losses. Well, how the women's side going to break down that NESCAC? I think the NESCAC is going to be interesting this year. Uh, Case Western Reserve is playing Hiram as we speak. We'll keep an eye on that one. Averitt is playing Christopher Newport. That game is underway, but we I need to check in on live stats on that. Um, whoops, hit the wrong button. We'll double check on that, see how Christopher Newport is doing on the men's side of things in that game. We'll quickly check it now. It is 31-27, Christopher Newport, against an Averitt squad that is surprisingly 1-8 so far this season. It was 25-23 at halftime, by the way. Um, Christopher Newport shooting 35%, Averitt shooting 39%. Neither team has really shot much from outside. 2-9 for for Christopher Newport, 2-8 for for Averett, uh, free throw shooting. Both teams are horrific. Christopher Newport's three of nine. Averett is one of six. Christopher Newport's out rebounding. Averett, 27-21. So we'll keep an eye on that game as it progresses. On the women's side, Rhode Island College is in play. Jenna Cosgrove was on the show a couple weeks ago. They are a fun team to watch if you haven't had a chance. Don't go now. Stay tuned into this game. But go back and watch their game at a later date. Um, Try to see if there's any other games that are jumping out at me. Um, Washington Jefferson's already played today. They beat Thiel easily, 81-40. That's a W&J team that we always talk about, but you know doesn't really get tested until late in the season. Uh, Carrollton and George Fox, just a reminder, they're not playing today because Carrollton has scuttled their program for the season. Uh, other men's games, Nichols is playing Rhode Island College. That might be one to keep an eye on. Albertus Magnus is playing Hunter on the men's side. We'll certainly keep an eye on that. A handful of other games that are that are going on as well. So some interesting things there. And we'll certainly keep an eye on all of that once again. So coming up, we'll talk to Widener men's basketball and then Oberlin women's basketball. Then we'll hear from our women's pundits. That's going to be the wrap of the show. We are working on topics for future shows. Uh, I've reached out to the guys for ideas. We're going to try and button those up. So future shows are going to be, again, maybe a guest or two that's current and then another one that's kind of more topical, um, some topics this Chris, this December that we want to kind of dive into about Division Three before we get so far into the season that it's hard to really dive into those topics. So we'll be tackling those. If you got a topic or you got an idea or you have a question or whatever it is, you know how to get a hold of us. I'm actually double-checking our email as we speak to make sure we haven't missed anything, and, and we haven't. Um, but you know how to get a hold of us, and we certainly would love to hear from you. I'm literally going to social media as we speak to see if we've uh, got any messages from any of you out there because sometimes that's how we find out what you might have uh, going on. Uh, again, we'll be on the air Thursday, uh, 7 o'clock. We'll then be on next Monday, the 18th. Uh, and at this time, I'm aiming for a show on the 21st, especially if we can get some of these topics put together. But the 21st show is the one in the air. Right now, my understanding is this may be the last top 25 that we have for the rest of the holidays, which is a little surprising to me, honestly. I thought we would get one more next week on the 18th, but we'll see where it, where it plays out between now and then. So there you go. We've got it covered in the opening part of the show. We'll take a break. When we come back, 
We will talk Widener Pride men's basketball. They're having a tremendous start to the season. Big win over Swarthmore just this past week. And they've got an interesting Mac Commonwealth ahead of them. Um, we will talk to Chris Critio about all of that and what his thoughts are on the team. When we come back, you're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. If I lose, I'll respond with respect. If I win, I'll back it up with humility. If I fail, I'll rise up with honor. It's tough for us to put it all on the line. Don't undo my hard work with poor sportsmanship. Respect. It's the name of the game. 
Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. A little bit of a dress-down look, but mainly because I wanted to get my uh, NCAA Championships shirt on here. It's not the most dressy of shirts, but it's a gift from my friend Carrie Harvey Cutter. Of course, Salem is where Carrie Harvey Cutter calls home, and it is going to be the host of the 50th Stag Bowl coming up on Friday. The boys at D3Football.com, boys, men, whatever you want to call them, will be down there. I will not. had a lot of questions about that last, t- last six times, I think, maybe seven times the Stag Bowl was in Salem. I was on hand. Uh, will not be this year. They don't need my services. We don't need me to go absolutely ballistic. Uh, I was looking forward to being at last year's Stag Bowl, and unfortunately that did not work out, as many of you know. Nonetheless, of course, it was in my backyard, essentially in Annapolis. Nonetheless, uh, Stag Bowl should be great. It's going to be colored red. Cortland got past Randolph-Macon uh, in a <laughs> barn burner of a game because they literally they, they burned everything down. They, they torched Randolph-Macon. Uh, and then the other one is North Central versus... Uh, is the other opponent is they got past Warburg in a heck of a game played out there in Iowa. So congratulations to those two teams. Cortland, I think, making its first ever trip to the Stag Bowl. Uh, North Central making, they, they've become the, the new mini version of Mount Union. Uh, they are out there once again. I'm looking forward to seeing how that game plays out. Of course, you can watch it on ESPNU uh, at 7 o'clock on Friday, Eastern time, that is. Of course, you can time that up with the D3Football.com audio broadcast. Make sure to listen to Pat Coleman. And the gentleman, uh, the question becomes, Frank Rossi, what is he? what will he be wearing on the sidelines? I we, we have lobbied for purple so that the purple color can be held true in Salem for football. Of course, Cal Lutheran women and Amherst men held it true on the soccer side. But anyway, congratulations to those two programs as winners or fall sports are finally wrapping up in their championships. By the way, quick nod of the tip of the hat to i was at middlebury in field hockey and i know it was juniata in women's volleyball with their championships and of course on the call for cal lou winning it in women's soccer and i was on the call on the men's side to see saint olaf win it on the men's side of soccer all right so moving on widener men's basketball is off to an 8-1 start this season with wins over roanoke worcester salisbury DeSales, and swathmore and a close loss to hampton sydney and ahead they've got carthage and benedictine down in florida before they get into the new vamped Mac Commonwealth coming up. Earlier today, I sat down with their head coach, Chris Critio, to talk about the Pride. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Widener Pride. It's Chris Critio, and hey, welcome to the show. It's been a long time, and hey, great start to the season, coach. Hey, Dave, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, we're you know we're excited at our start, but we do realize that it's just that a start, you know, a long season to go. Um, but we are uh, we're, we're we're enjoying. The moment right now um as we've had a uh, a pretty good start as you mentioned yeah about a third of the way through you got nine games down let's just extrapolate out you play the full conference playoff slate about 27 or so games in the schedule so not a bad start to this and, and obviously a little bit of a break now going back a little bit did you guys have expectations that this was going to be the kind of team you could have that you could get out to a solid start and be in a good position by this point in the season um i mean that was the hope uh, as we were building our roster off of last year's, you know, NCAA tournament team. We 
you know, as it started to come together last spring, as we were finalizing our schedule for this year, you know, our hopes were there. We knew we were going to have some talent and, and some experience because we did win our conference championship last year for the first time in a while. So that was nice. And then we added some some grad transfers that had experience uh, in the NCAA tournament as well with other schools. And, um, you know, a really good uh, freshman class and a really good returning group. So we did set a non-conference schedule that we thought would be very challenging for us and allow us to, um, you know, kind of see where we stacked up early on. I think the biggest piece, too, was our conference. We lost Lebanon Valley, went to the Freedom side. So we didn't have a conference game until January this year for the first time in a long time. So we literally have our 11 non-conference games uh, in the first semester. So that was uh, kind of a real split right down the middle. Like, let's schedule our, our non-conference 11, and then we'll play our conference in January and February. So, so far, so good. Uh, eight and one is, is a you know, obviously a great start for us, especially against the teams that we feel going in that we were, uh, you know, competing against. Yeah, interesting dynamic because a couple of things kind of all new or different for you all this year. First, for everybody, it's the it's the um, you know the the earlier start you can have to the season per se by being able to meet with everybody a little bit, take some days away from your preseason if you so choose, which shortens preseason. But some coaches don't complain about that necessarily. Certainly, the players don't. Uh, you talk about the transfers. That's become a, a bigger thing in Division Three. As we've got another, you know, year and a half left in this COVID year, especially that's floating around. Uh, you talk about the conference. That's certainly a new look. Um, Lebanon Valley moving, as you said, because Lyco and Wilkes left. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of dynamics this year that are kind of different. I assume it's not a distraction, but it, it certainly in the off season must have had you guys a little bit kind of coming in fresh and new. Yeah, I just feel there's always there was always some moving parts for those things. Um, you know, we obviously we didn't get our conference schedule, our new conference schedule until like this time last year. So I didn't really know what our new conference was going to look like uh, in terms of our scheduling. Uh, we were told on you know our conference calls that we were going to move everything January and February as long as it worked for everybody, and it did. Um, and there's a little other thing. There's there's no double headers during the week anymore, so it's all single games for men and women on Wednesdays, and then Saturdays are double headers. So. It's been shifted around, uh, which we're all agreed to, and it's fine. Um, you know, the hard part is is now you got two more non-conference games to add. So we were really looking hard last year around this time moving into the spring. Like, how can we challenge our group um, as we get into next year? And so we mentioned, you know, that we're, I meant we're going to Florida next week. Uh, we went to Ohio and played a tournament at Wooster. So, so we've been able to kind of fill it with some fun things that uh, maybe we wouldn't be able to do in the past. So – um, I don't know that we can always do that in the future because they are costly, but uh, we kind of decided that we were going to commit to it this year. Yeah, you bring up the the things that jumped out to me. You did play at the Worcester tournament. Of course, you took on Hamden Sydney in the first game and Worcester in the second. You took on Roanoke. You've taken up a, a I would call it a hot and cold Salisbury team. Uh, a day, the sales team that I think a lot of us are still trying to to get a grip on, and most recently went over Swarthmore. We'll dive into the SWAT game in a bit and the Hamden Sydney game in a bit. But you've got a lot of styles there. There's those are a, a lot of teams that we just mentioned who do not play similar styles, and of course your conference is full of a whole another set of styles. You guys are getting a lot of looks. Yeah, and that was kind of the the plan. You know, we thought we we had a talented team. We we didn't know what we're not overly big. I think we're we got good size around, but we're not like we don't have like a six nine two fifty guy inside. Um, you know, 
our bigger guys are more perimeter guys. Uh, so like we really wanted to challenge ourselves with going to Worcester and playing, you know, some, some teams that maybe wouldn't see Hampton, Sydney, Worcester, um, Rose human was the other team in, in that we didn't play them, but they were the other team in there. And in our tip off tournament, we had Stockton and we had Roanoke, right. Two two teams from different places that played in the first game. So we just really wanted to kind of challenge ourselves with some schools that, you know, have traditionally really good basketball programs and have great seasons. And, and that's what we're trying to do. And, and our level, we realized that it's season to season and, you know, it's very hard to maintain winning all the time. But when we made our schedule, we were like, let's do the best we can to get teams on our schedule that are from really good conferences and have traditionally really good basketball, you know, programs and, and coaches and so forth. And, you know, so that's what we tried to do. And yeah, we've played some teams that are bigger than us, some teams that are smaller than us. Um, maybe some more athletic teams than us, maybe not so. And we just kind of, We've been able to kind of adjust to each game so far um, and find ways to win for the most part, except for Hampton, Sydney, obviously. By the way, we should point out you're not done yet. You'll go down to Fort Lauderdale right before Christmas. You'll take on Carthage and then you'll take on Benedictine. Obviously, Benedictine, a team that maybe not in the top 25 right now, but it's traditionally been a pretty tough program in the greater Chicago area. Carthage, as we all know, is having a tremendous season as well. So, yeah, a lot of great tests. Let's go back to the Hampton-Sydney game. Listen, a loss by nine to a really good team that's got some size uh, and guys who can play well inside as well. You got to really be kind of resting your hat on that one. Despite it being a loss, it shows your team can really match up or play well or disrupt, whatever the case is, a team that really maybe you don't match up with all that well. Yeah, it was it was a great game for us. Uh, I, I we weren't ready to win that game yet. Uh, we got down 12 nothing or 11 nothing, something like that. Uh, called a timeout and, you know, we regrouped and then ended up taking a lead. I think it was 16-15. But we, we were playing catch-up the whole game. Like, then they go on another run and we get down 10 or 11 and we come back and come get close to a point. And we did that like two or three times in that game. And we just, I think it was a five or six point game with about five minutes to go. And then they did another run and we just couldn't catch up after that. So um, they're very good. I've, you know, even watching film on them on the bus where I there because we played on Wednesday night at home and then we played on Friday night in Worcester. So we were on a bus on Thursday watching film and I just was very, you know, impressed with how good they are, how well coached they are. Um, so, yeah, it's just, we're just, you know, we weren't ready to win that game at that moment. We just weren't ready prepared in our minds and they're a very talented team and you can't go into a game like that so we were um i think our guys were very anxious to play it because they knew how good they were um but they were better than us that day uh for for most of the game so uh, but they're very good they're very very talented swathmore game i think jumped out at me i know i was kind of sitting here debating whether i was going to vote for you guys and well to be honest a lot of other teams mm. um And I looked at that SWAT game and said, oh, you know what? That's the game I kind of want to use as my barometer, Uh, depending on a lot of other results, obviously. Um, By the way, I think we have some sound effects going off in the background. I apologize, everybody. Our our system is stuck there. Um, But, I mean, a win by 20 and hold them to 57. I've heard some interesting thoughts from others about Swarthmore this year. A good team, certainly, but maybe not the depth we're used to. A win by 20 really jumped out at me what what went so well for you all in that offensively and or defensively um well we really focused defensively for most of the week as we led up to that game um because you know what what Landry runs at Swarthmore like you really have to be 
really locked in defensively because they were they move so fast and so hard and cut so hard. And they're a very dynamic team. They have a lot of guys that can score and that they, they spread out three point shooting amongst everybody. So you really just have to be really focused in on that. And we spent the majority of the week kind of really kind of working on those things and discussing those things and watching film from actually previous years that we've played them because it's the third year in a row we've played them and just seeing like, this is how it, it should look defensively. This is how it shouldn't look. So we really, the defensive end was really what we were focusing on. And, and clearly I think we did a good job over those 40 minutes doing that. Um, they're a physical team. We're a physical team. There was a lot of, a lot of physical play. Um, so I think that that lended to it too. Our guys were prepared for the physical play. Uh, whereas when we played them, uh, a couple of years ago there, we were not ready for that physical play. Even though we ended up winning that game, we were not ready for how physical it was going to be. So I do feel like defensively we did a nice job. Um, yeah, offensively, we 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 made shots. <laughs> I mean, in basketball, that's really what it's about. I mean, we had guys that, you know, aren't typically taking a ton of three-point shots, like, like Kevin Shank for us doesn't take a ton of three-point shots, but their forward, their big guy, Caprice, was playing off of him. So he, he had an opportunity to play, take those shots and – we encouraged them to take him because I kind of figured that that's how they were going to guard him. When he told him, like, you got to step in and be, shoot that ball with confidence. And and it did. I think he was four for six or four for seven from three. So that opened up a lot of other things for our other guys. So so we were able to score the ball. Um, and and we didn't shoot free throws very well. Uh, I think we only shot 11 of them. I think we were only like four for 11. But we were just able to kind of to make some shots and and really defend defenses what won us that game, obviously. Holding them to 57 points on their home floor is not easy to do. So I give our guys credit for, for for doing that. No, exactly. That last part is key. 57 points at their place um, was certainly significant. By the way, uh, side note, um, this is you know a Swarthmore team you said who's played three straight times, but how do you get guys, as you said, who transferred in to appreciate what the other guys already knew about this team over the years or how you all match up? Like the I get that there's some who who know who SWAT is, but you're also relying on some who maybe from your perspective, your team's perspective, don't know who SWAT is. Yeah. Um, again, it was good that we had a week to get ready because we played Arcadia on the second, and then we had we had a full week. So even though some of these guys, you know, were in their in their fifth year of college basketball, yeah, some of them had not played Swarthmore and and those types of things, and and obviously Swarthmore like. I live closer to Swarthmore than I do Widener. <laughs> it's literally five more five minutes apart. Um, but like getting those guys to understand, that's why we showed a lot of film of what we had done with them in the past so that they could see like, this is how we defend this and we defend this and offensively, this is what we want to run. So um, even though they're, they're, they're seasoned basketball players, they were new to our program and new to, to, you know, how we scheme for Swarthmore and those kind of things and any other team, quite frankly, that we play and we haven't even gotten in league play yet. So um yeah, so you know, it wasn't overly difficult. Our our grad transfers are very intelligent, very uh, mature basketball players, and they're very they're very coachable. So it, it actually wasn't very difficult. Um, they've been a real pleasure to coach so far. So I got more questions regarding the general scope, but let's talk about the team here for a moment. Dominic sure. Dunn leads the team in scoring at uh, nearly fifteen points a game. Leads the team in rebounding at seven and a half plus. Uh, Kevin Schenk is second on the team at 12.7. You got three more guys in eight points a game. You're spreading around the rebounds. You're spreading around assists. Um, there, There isn't one guy other than Dunn who's getting a lot of points that I can sit there and go, well, you've got to shut him down. Give us a little sense more than what those stats tell us about this team's dynamics, the guys that are kind of the key and 
what's been kind of going on in the opening nine with them individually? Well, I think our biggest message to this team as we put it together was like, you know, you're going to sacrifice a, a lot of probably what you might be able to do individually somewhere else if you want to come here and try and win at a high level. And to all their credit, all three of the grad transfers were willing to do that. Um, you know, like to the even to the point where Mike Kane was a starter at Drew. And, you know, I told him, I said, there's a really good chance you might come off the bench for us if you're okay with that. And he immediately was like, Coach, I'm fine with that. I just want to try and win at a high level. And, you know, the Dominic Dunn is in his second grad year with us because he had a, a medical redshirt year as well. So and, and he knew um Anthony DeCaro from TCNJ. They grew up together and and he played with Howie Rankin at Susquehanna. So he kind of spoke to those guys on the side too to say, hey, look, this is what we think we can accomplish here, especially with the guys we have coming back. But it is a huge sacrifice for all these guys to spread out minutes, spread out points, spread out assists. Um, you know, some of these guys are playing 16, 17 minutes a game, whereas last year they were playing 32 minutes a game. And so I give these young men a lot of credit, a lot of credit. Um, it's not easy. Um, and, and quite frankly, from a coaching standpoint, it's not always easy to find minutes for everybody and and spread things out and and, and keep everybody on the same page. So I give a lot of credit to my coaching staff too. And winning, Dave, as you know, helps, right? The more you win, everybody kind of sees like, okay, I, I see what we're doing here and it's working right now. Um, so I, I just, I, I love going to the gym every day with these guys. They've been great. It's a really older group. They're very mature. And um, yeah, I mean, our stats are are good. I think we're scoring around 82 a game. And, and like you said, Dominic's scoring 14, but. We only have two guys in double figures, but we're really spreading out the scoring. I think we've had five guys that have led us in scoring in one particular night of our first nine games. So, it, yeah, I mean, it looks great on paper right now, but honestly, outside of being on paper, like it's just enjoyable to go and, and coach these guys every day and, and knowing what they're sacrificing, what maybe they could have went somewhere else and played 32 minutes and scored 15 a game. And they're willing to do that for each other. And I think it says a lot about them. So, yeah, no one's played more than three quarters of a game on average. Shows you also a little bit of the depth you've got. I notice a lot of guys have gotten playing time in a lot of games. There's a handful, as, as all teams have, that are, are less than that. But you're going deep in the bench. You're getting these guys experience. And that's going to be important not only come conference time, but obviously coming out of this little bit of 11-day break you've got for exams, and you go right into the lion's den, as it were, in Florida to take on Carthage and, and Benedictine. Having that experience even off the bench is going to be beneficial, isn't it not? Without question. Yeah, without question. And we're able to sustain some a little bit some nagging injuries that we've had with some guys. Um, you know, and, and the, the other thing is I really love my young group, my my freshmen and my sophomores. They're very talented too. And trying to find them minutes and games is difficult, but they've been great too. Like they come to work every day, practice every day, trying to get better because they know their time's gonna come and they know they gotta be ready when and if we need them. Foul trouble, injuries, whatever that case may be. Um, so our practice has been very competitive, uh, and been fun. And, you know, sometimes when you get, you know, you have a group and you get into January and February, sometimes your practices really get pushed back a little bit and your time, you know, you maybe you're doing an hour and 15 minutes, but honestly, our practice up to this point have been 90 minutes and an hour of it is competing. And our older guys still want to compete. They don't want to like, you know, they don't want to say like, oh, I'm good. I can get a couple of reps and like, because our practice, because I do feel we have, you know, some depth that. Every practice is competitive, which is which is really fun too. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, we're, we don't practice again until Wednesday because guys, like I said, they're loaded up on exams today and tomorrow and they start to lighten up as the week goes on. Um, and I know when we get in there Wednesday, they're going to look at the practice schedule and say, what, well, when are we competing? Like, yeah, the drill work first 20 minutes, whatever. But like, when are we playing? When are we competing? And they really do. They want to play. Um, so our depth has been great and it's just, it's fun. And it's, it's a, it's the deepest team I've ever had in my 23 years as a head coach. Yeah, that's impressive to say to say the least for any of those top 25 voters out there who are still on the bubble about putting Widener on the ballot. Uh, let's talk about the conference here. Um, again, as you mentioned earlier, a little bit of a different look with Lyco and Wilkes leading the freedom side. They had to move somebody over. Sometimes that goes um, a little trepidatiously. Uh, Lyco yeah. and Wilkes might be an example of how that goes trepidatiously. Uh, Lebanon Valley switches out, which is kind of strange to me. I'm so used to them being on the Commonwealth side. And now you're down to Hood, Stevenson, Eastern, Alvernia, Messiah, Albright, York, Pennsylvania. Um, I, I've seen a few teams already this year. I, I'm used to the the Commonwealth side being a little bit like the I always say the Big Ten. It can be a bruiser from top to bottom. This year, I, I'm having trouble getting my finger on it. It doesn't feel as dangerous or competitive. Maybe I'm missing this. I, I'm just... Are you guys going to stand out from this conference, or are there some sleepers in this conference that are going to really make things a challenge this season? I have a lot of respect for our conference all the time, and I think every time we go into conference play before we do, it's it's real easy to judge teams against other teams that you don't see and like, oh, we played them and they played them, but the score was this. Oh, great, yeah. But, but what happens when you get in the conference play, it's just the rivalries, the coaches know each other so well, Everything changes, in my opinion. And I'm sure every coach in the country says the same thing because it's true. It's true. You know, we're you can look at ratings and rankings all you want. You know, when we play Hood or Stevenson's was our first two, like those are going to be wars. And I know it because those coaches are very good coaches. They've got really good rosters. They know our team. They know what we do. Same thing, vice versa. Like I just conference play is conference play and it's it's great that we can separate the two this year and do all our non-conference first and then focus on the conference because it is like a second season and you know i i speak really highly about every coach in our conference they all do a great job so you know in our first conference game is that hood that will be a war you know i mean they they're a great team and chad does a great job and you know they're a unique team and they're 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 difficult to prepare for so you know we i think our conference once we get in the conference play, we'll start to see, you know, the competitiveness and the high level. Um, it's just this every year. So we're anxious and excited that we're having a great non-conference schedule and, and record right now. But we do know once we come back after Christmas that it's like this is the real season that we're heading into. And um, I, I know our guys are prepared for it because, you know, we, you know, a great example is last year we played Stevenson at home. They held us to 47 points. You know, and, and they True. had a yeah. they had a great game a game plan, and they they beat us up. You know, and and York beat us last year in the last week of the season. You know, before we had you know won two games and won our conference championship. It can happen because the coaches are really good and they have good good rosters and they know how to coach. So like that that's why I look I look at our league as as a gauntlet for us always, um, and I'm sure every coach feels the same way because when you're in this little world of your own league, your own conference. It really is becomes that. It really is this little world that you live in for that moment and at that time. And you're just trying to survive and get out. So you get an opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. And that, and that's that's the way we'll always look at it. 
Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. That's kind of why I wanted to know that perspective. Uh, I teed it up that way. Hey, quick question on something you said earlier before we let you go. You mentioned that the team's watching video, uh, game film on the bus. Uh, listen, I remember the days when it was kind of cool to find out you had a TV on the bus for your trip. Uh, I know things in technology have changed quite a bit since then, but genuine question, are you guys watching those on monitors on the buses and using that system, or has everybody got a little laptop or, or tablet or something in front of them and you're all going through it simultaneously? Um, well, coaches have our laptops. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're basically working off our laptops on synergy, you know, stealing the Wi-Fi from our phones (laughs) (laughs) isn't the best. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're basically, you know, and in that instance, because we were playing Wednesday night, jumping on a bus Thursday, Thursday afternoon and going to Wooster, we had seven hours. So we were able to cut some things up prior to leaving. So we could watch just the clips on synergy and those types of things. And then, you know, our, our guys can watch it too on their synergy when, when we send it to them. So, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the best technology we have right now. I mean, trust me, I'd love to be able to plug into the bus and, you know, do a film session right there, but it's basically, that's it. Then when we get to the hotel, we are able to get a conference room and do it together. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's how that works. I don't sure. want to make that sound that we were overly technology. No, 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 no. I no, I know what you meant. I I was genuinely curious because I'm curious if you guys can tap into the into the TVs that are in the in the buses. But more importantly, I know it's important to get that work done then. Yeah. Because you don't want to be in that conference room too late that night before. You don't want the guys going to bed late because you're trying to you know slam something in or be too do too much in a small small window while you're in the conference room so i I totally get it that's why i kind of asked the question hey chris appreciate all the time you've given us uh i I, we could certainly talk for a lot more about the pride and learn more about it but i appreciate the time you've given us and gotten the insight we've got about the team you guys are off to a great start and i congratulate you for that i look forward to to the game coming up on the 20th against carthage and the 21st against benedictine and i look forward to seeing the conference play as well as always though we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in um no i'm just uh thankful for for d3 hoops and 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 your site and everything else you guys do for college basketball at our level it's it's really opened the eyes to a lot of others uh, especially with social media now um it's not just uh you know whisper down the lane kind of like hey who's good who's good i think we all kind of really can see it and we feel i know all the players feel it and they follow it and they you know that we are part of pop culture people know who we are now it's not just uh hey i heard this team out in the midwest might be good because you know, I heard down the, you know, whisper down the lane, but like, actually we can see it. And a lot of it starts with you guys and it's, and it's, um, you know, kind of expanded from there. So thank you, Dave, everything you guys do to, to help promote our student athletes and, and make them feel part of the big picture. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. I appreciate you coming on and let us talk about your team as well. Have a, well, safe travels first and foremost, have a great holiday season. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Great. Thanks, Dave. You too. Absolutely. Chris Curtio joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Once again, Chris joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate him taking the time. Um, again, <clears throat> they've got Carthage and Benedictine ahead, and then the conference schedule. I'm going to be fascinated on that conference schedule. Listen, I, I didn't I didn't even mention York, Pennsylvania as much as I should have. Uh, Matt Hunter's got a good team there. So that Matt Commonwealth's going to be fascinating to watch. Now that Lebanon Valley's out, it's a little bit smaller. Things have split up. I'd be fascinated to see how that all plays out. There are some teams who are, are not as good as I'm used to seeing them. So that's why that question kind of originated. We'll see how it plays out from there. By the way, they are in the top 25 now, number 20. That had not come out when we talked to Chris earlier today. All right, we're going to pivot. When we come back, we'll talk women's basketball with Oberlin women's basketball coach Stephanie Dunmire. Talk to her about the good start that the Yos are having and what she expects 
for the rest of the season as well. You listen to Hoops Hopers by D3Hoops.com. Back with it more after this. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. 
The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. As we continue on this show, um, don't forget, coming up, we'll be talking to our pundits on the women's side, Scott Peterson and Riley Zayas. The new women's top 25 poll is out, so we'll be talking about that new poll as we go along. Quick update from Christopher Newport and Averitt, that game with uh, about a minute left to go. Uh, Christopher Newport leads by 14 now, 59, well, make it 13, 59-46, shooting slightly better now in the second half we'll pivot and talk women's basketball now oberlin women's basketball is having a tremendous season not too long ago remember they only lost four games their entire season but they did not win the conference championship and they did not win or make the ncaa tournament so maybe some unfinished business but they had a pretty good year that year they built on that last year though not as much success but certainly looking to do more they're off to a tremendous start this season seven and one and stephanie dunmeyer's squad could have the ncac a little bit frustrated with Oberlin. We decided to chat with her earlier today about the hot start. Joining us now on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's the head coach of the Oberlin women. It is Stephanie Dunmeyer. Oberlin. I think I said that right. For some reason, it sounded strange. Uh, welcome to the show, Coach. Uh, great to have you back. Uh, terrific start to the season, 7-1. and one. I know we're coming off a loss. We'll talk about that in a moment. But listen, you know, over double overtime win over Baldwin-Wallace, a win over Mount Union, um, win over Brandeis and some others in that group even Kane that you've got to be pretty pleased with how this season has started from your perspective yeah well thanks for having me first and foremost um it's been yeah a really good start to the season for us I think we're um we're happy with where we're at and and obviously as everybody at this point in time just trying to continue to grow and hopefully we've got one game here before heading into exams and everything so it's that time of year where everybody's extra stressed out and um you know we're we're ready to get to that break a little bit but i think this group has stayed really locked in and um just done a great job in this early part of the season of responding to some ups and downs and um i think that is reflected then in, in kind of our good start again a loss to chatham but if you dive into chatham chatham looks like they're a really good team this year as well i think they're eight and two if memory serves now um yes, they've one seven straight now, I think, and uh, just I mean credit to them. They they play a little bit different style than we'd seen so far this year. I mean we knew it going in, but um, they knocked down shots that other teams weren't hitting against us. They put a lot of pressure, um, did a great job in their zone, and yeah, I think they're going to have a continue to have a, a great season. But and we should uh, point out at their place, so you you know you've got a little bit of the travel involved in that one as well, uh, and midweek. So you know that's a game that's that. There's a lot of, of going on, and as we've heard from some coaches over the last few shows, we're here in this exam period, and sometimes the most stressful part is the week leading into exams, and that kind of, if I get it right, seems to time up with where you guys were. Yeah, we head into exams at the end of this week and everything, so it was a, um, a last Monday game, actually, So, but, but we were definitely didn't seem like ourselves but again a lot is what Chatham did to us. Again, a lot of credit to them, but I think um, once they, they – punched we didn't counter punch we kind of um you know just came out a little bit flat then after after they really came at us and stuff so did you all expect when you looked at the schedule knowing the pieces you have back from a team that two years ago certainly broke through 
last year still played pretty solidly that this is the kind of start you could develop or you know in other words was it on the the whiteboard in other words hey we can get to the um, near holiday break with one loss on our schedule or or was it or is this even a little unexpected from your perspectives um i think we had some changes obviously um even from like last year we did uh our personnel has changed a little bit we have a little bit smaller roster this year so i'd say i'm a little bit pleasantly surprised i think if i would have looked at the schedule I'd, i don't know if we would have been right here in my mind because we've also changed our offensive outlook a little bit we're trying to play a little bit different style this year and not running through a big in the middle as much as we have in the past and stuff so it's been really really exciting and i think something that our players have really embraced and have we're really looking forward to but a lot of unknowns in that as well so um i think it's a little bit of both it's like yes you look at it on paper like oh we could but um definitely i'm pleasantly surprised and i think probably we're in a better spot right now in terms of wins and losses than i would have predicted um very early season it's interesting you say you're not necessarily playing through someone in the middle when you look at your roster you've got quite a bit of size in the middle six foot five ten five ten five eleven uh another five ten another six foot and, and granted, we're just looking at paper. I'm not looking at their numbers just yet. But when you've got that kind of size and they say we're not necessarily going through the middle, that's an interesting dynamic because I think defensively everyone sees the size and goes, oh, we got to worry about the middle. Right. Yeah, I think with our size, honestly, they are some of the most versatile players I've ever had the opportunity to coach. So it's been really exciting. We've got um, our 6'2", six, 6'3", six, kid and Angela Kumler, a sophomore for us, play point guard in high school, um, you know, and can get the rebound and, and start the break. Camille Zanich for us, uh, a junior who very much, again, in high school ran even some point guard, but is our strongest um post player is someone that can rebound the ball like no other and just has great court vision. So I think the name of the game for us this year has really been versatility. And in those lengthy positions, some of those are actually, they would prefer to face up. They're maybe a little bit more, um, just not finesse players, but they're not that back to the basket, like going to just back you down type of player. So um, taking advantage of their ability to do both and to take advantages of mismatches inside, but also really to to run and pick up our pace a little bit more, but to allow them to um, kind of flow through the offense and just play basketball. We're trying to script it less. I'm trying to coach less this year, Dave. That's that's the main thing here. Um, so maybe that's working for us. I don't know. <laughs> Interesting concepts. Uh, coach less. In other words, when you want to take a timeout, you don't take the timeout? I mean, it's more like I'm not scripting some things and like really being like, Sure. read it and play but we've also kind of backtracked and like like okay we got script a little bit and then kind of to go with it from there and, and hope that again we can kind of continue to make adjustments as we go but yeah that was my theory earlier i was like i'm just i'm just not going to coach i'm going to step back and just be like play basketball a little bit and it's really really hard it's been one of the most challenging things uh, to do i think i'm sure first yeah. off there's always <laughs> got to be some kind of base so yes i can appreciate that you can't just go free for all necessarily unless right. maybe you're the nba <laughs> um but furthermore, you, it's interesting you talk, and we see this on the men's side too, more and more players who you expect to be kind of in the middle, as we talked about, have more of an outside game or a mid-range game. I would love to see more of a mid-range game. Are we losing the inside game, or is it still important for that person who might be six foot, who can step outside and shoot, to have that inside game available so that they're then everyone doesn't figure out, oh, they're not a threat inside, especially if they get the ball there. They don't know what to do with it. I think it's a little bit of of both. I mean, I think you just see kind of the overall, um, at least in our program now, I think we have better overall players, right? Like they have 
different strengths, but absolutely we still want like that ability to score inside. We want that ability to uh, take advantage again of those mismatches. But I think for us too, we want to spread the court a little bit more. And I think having more of a five outlook at times, um, but to take that help side away a little bit and by having someone kind of positioned in that spot, obviously maybe it sometimes makes those rotations a little bit easier defensively. So um kind of opening up that middle more. So not to say that we don't take advantage of that or don't have players that can absolutely do that. But I think everybody wants to be more complete players. I mean, you th- I think you see the post players that want to be able to step out and like, that's kind of the name of the game. And it's like, okay, well, you got to be able to run, right? Like if you want to face up, if you want to be able to shoot three, put the ball on the floor, then you'd be able to run, right? So we have, you know, some players I think have really embraced that and came back really, really prepared for our season this year. Whereas we didn't necessarily have that Last year at the beginning of our season, we were we were lacking that preparedness to be able to play at the pace that people said they wanted to play at. So I think locking into the style we wanted to move towards um, has been motivating for our players and has also made it pretty clear for our coaching staff as to um, who deserves to be out there and who can kind of get in that rotation now. Oh, interesting perspective. I appreciate that. Uh, I got more out of that question than I thought I'm I sorry, would get. I love it. No, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to. Keep that in note. Um, listen, four players in double figures at this point in the season with one or two more who certainly uh, provide significant uh, points. Uh, I'm going to probably say Cam- uh, Camille Zinac. Zinac. Yep. Oh, okay. You do say the CH. Very nice. Allison Jefferson, uh, Gina Lombard, Angela Comer, uh, Cumler. Um, 10 plus points a game uh, with Camille at 14.7. She's also leading the team at 7.7 rebounds. But, you know, you got two more who, who've got eight points a game. Well, you might have maybe a smaller team per se. You've got a lot of options, and defensively, no one seems to be able to key on one. Yeah, I think that's what's been really exciting. Although our roster size is smaller and our rotation, I think, is a little bit um, less deep in terms of the number of kids we're playing consistently. On a given night, we really have seven kids that could be the leading scorer. You know, any of one of our seven could have that big game, I think. Um, I think we have overall more shooters. Um, You know, we've seen that in certain games where we've all gotten hot the same game that we need somebody to be hot in those games that we're not, right? But I think, you know, you're right. They can't really key in on one person because I think we do have a lot of different threats and people that can um, make an impact on both ends of the floor um, in different ways. Well, to that point, you've got four players who are getting significant assist numbers. You've got, let's say, three players getting significant steal numbers. You've got two with significant blocks and a couple others who have it as well. Rebounding-wise, you've got three or four that are significant. It, it is literally multiple players doing everything, not doing everything, but doing all facets of the game, to your point about having that person who's well-rounded and can do things from different points in the floor. Absolutely. Yeah. And we've had, you know, unfortunately, we've already had some early season injuries here or there where, you know, someone's had to sit out a game or or might not be available. And um, I think that's also at this point in the season, as much as we obviously want to go into every game like full strength with everybody, it's also been a really good thing to see how our team has um, kind of taken on that adversity and, and seen that adversity or challenge as an opportunity for someone else to step up. So I think we've had people that were maybe in that rotation before, like just kind of upping obviously their um, impact, but then also some people that were getting some role minutes that really taking advantage of those moments and and filling those roles for us where we needed it. Back to the teams you've played and, and how your team has responded. I think the last two games are really interesting to me. 
you play back on the 29th of November, a Baldwin-Wallace squad who's always good, even when you might think they're not, they're going to be a tough test. She always has her teams ready. Double overtime win with that one at home. And then we mentioned the Chatham game coming five days later on the road being a loss. That feels like uh, an important set of games that you're going to be able to rely on through much of the season, not only in terms of styles, but, hey, you know, you had to fight through this, or sometimes we're just going to have bad games or whatever the case may be. feels like that's a really important set of five days. Absolutely. I mean, I think for our program, it was really that win against Baldwin-Wallace. I mean, as you mentioned, just always a tremendous program, you know, tradition there and just every year, you know, ranked high in the region, getting into the NCAA tournament. And they're like a team that we were excited to be able to see where we, you know, how we could match up with them and like what we could do and the opportunity that we had. And, um, you know, I think we had, again, different people step up at different times and it just, it really, it was a great win for our program and kind of just gave us, you know, I think a good early season feel, right? Turn around, get on the road to Chatham again, and having a great season so far and much different style of game though, um, in terms of how they played it. And I think for us is we needed it. I think we needed it. I think we needed to get, um, to have someone come at us and, and continue to pressure because I think that's a little bit of, of what we've struggled with. And and it is like, hey, this is what we need to figure out. Um, I think we've been able to, in that more, slow down, not slow down, but those teams that aren't pressuring in the full court, um, you know, in our conference, we're going to see Ohio Wesleyan, who's going to just press us for 40 minutes and throw different things at us. And that's a team that we've struggled with in the past, you know, so I think it, um, it's not something we didn't know. But I think at this point in the season, it's exactly what we needed um, to kind of hit us in the face again to say, hey, we either figure it out, and we continue to get better and find a way. um, Or this is, this is going to be it, this is going to be the thing that comes back and that is going to, you know, take our season one way or the other, I guess, in, in terms of that and where we want to be and, and how competitive we want to be at the end. Uh, you'll have Adrian coming up here in a couple of days. You then have the holiday break. You'll head to Marietta. I want to key on that because you'll play Mount Aloysius in the first game and Marietta in the second. But what mm-hmm. I'm keying on in that weekend is you're also going to see Gettysburg and Trine at yeah. that event. That's a great little weekend to A, obviously test yourself, um, Marietta's no slouch for sure, but you're going to also get a chance to see two programs that have been pretty synonymous like Baldwin Wallace with NCAA tournaments trying certainly really high up there. And what Nate Davis does at Gettysburg has always been respected. You got a chance for the team to see a lot of different styles and some really good quality play all in one weekend there. Absolutely. We're so excited and we don't think there's anything else to do in Marietta. So we're just going to sit in the there. The there isn't. Time. No, you can tell Cole I said that. No. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I've been there. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. When he mentioned, you know, the teams that were coming, like, I mean, it was, it was so exciting to think about like, hey, okay, obviously we get to um, play, you know, two quality programs in that, but also get to watch teams that are in it every single year. And obviously we've seen that in watching some games this year and, you know, because Baldwin Wallace had played trying earlier, Wittenberg has played trying. So we're following all those games and stuff. But I think watching those type of programs and the tradition of just winning and the cultures that they have, like just so excited to take it all in and, and hope that some of it continues to rub off on our program. Well, and then you'll translate that right into conference play. You'll start off with Hiram, and then uh, DePaul's not that far away. DePaul's off to a five and three start this year. Denison's six and two. You mentioned Ohio Wesleyan; they're five and two this season. Everybody else maybe not having a great start to the season, but can certainly be a bit of a test. This is a, an interesting conference. There's always the the ones you expect at the top, and then there's always the surprises. Maybe you guys are in the surprise category. Maybe you should be at the top. I don't know yet. 
But how do you get ready for what will be a grind of an NCAC conference once again? Yeah, it's it's been so interesting since we went to the, well, with Allegheny leaving a couple of years ago and having that 14-game schedule last year, right? And, and this year, with it all being in January, February, I mean, it's nice because you get into that Wednesday, Saturday routine with that, but it's like you turn around and you're like, wait, didn't we just play this team, right? Like we're playing them again. It's like three games later. Like, how is this happening? Um, but it's a battle every night. You know, I mean, I think Ohio Wesleyan, Wittenberg, DePaul, Denison, you know, those are the, I think like the other ones that like right now are kind of looking to be in that top echelon. And hopefully we're in that as well. Right. And then, but on a given night, I mean, you have the the Hiram, the Worcester um, and the Kenyon that, you know, you just, you never know. And I think in our, our conference, that's what's been exciting is I think on a given night, anybody can play with anybody. Um, but again, hoping that it's just, the level that our conference has gotten to this year, I mean, just looking at the non-conference stuff, right, with Ohio Wesleyan knocking off Marietta um, 83 to 58 early, right? Like Wittenberg beat Trine, um, Wittenberg beat Albion. You know, like we've got some big, big uh, just conference wins that continue to happen to pause, always challenging themselves in their non-conference, I think, and, and you know, doing good things and stuff. So I think the NCAC as a whole is just really um making a statement this year, I think in the, in the way that they're scheduling, but also in some of the wins that they've had and stuff. So I'm excited. And I know that, um, just hoping that, you know, again, once we get there, we can be healthy and, and put our best foot forward, but it's going to be a battle every single night. Uh, two years ago, 21 and four, just miss out on the NCAA tournament, losing in the conference tournament. Unfortunately, I, you've got some players who certainly remember that you all remember that how much, is that still a drive? Okay, listen, we, we made a breakthrough, but we didn't get a conference title. We didn't get the the uh, the NCAA tournament berth. Is that still a drive now, or is that, hey, if we get there, that's great. We've got other goals first. I mean, I think right now we're thinking get better every day, right? Continued growth with our culture, with our team, but absolutely, we want to win a championship. We want to put ourselves in a position to be playing our best basketball at the right time. Um, and that's at the end of the season. So even, you know, we look at that 21 and four year and, and it seems like kind of that year, but we lost in the semis and we were really not in a great spot, to be honest, going into the end. I don't think um, we were nearly as strong as we were last year, even though we were 17-11. We did get to the championship game last year and I felt like we were playing much better at the right time um, in comparison with that. So again, I think for us, it's continuing to grow. It's it's how we respond to adversity because I think that 21 and four year, we didn't have a lot of it. So when it hit us, um, we didn't respond well. And I think that was evident in our end of the season. Um, whereas last year, I think we hit some early that I think really benefited us towards the end. So um, hoping maybe this is that next step this year and, and we get that mixture of both and we respond even better. And again, can hopefully, you know, be in a position to, to make a run, um, you know, at the end in that conference tournament. Curious from a recruiting perspective, you're a graduate of Kenyon, you're coaching at Oberlin. Those are two very high academic institutions, a lot like a NESCAC and some of the uh, Ivy-like type schools, even Patriot League. There's there's a very high academic standard that adds to the recruiting challenge if the cost of the school on top of that isn't part of that, though we don't need to dive into the cost too much. I know how that all works. But what have you been able to figure out or or what's the secret to getting student athletes a who we all know are smart mit teams are pretty good too but how do you get them interested in coming to oberlin and how do you get them interested in committing to those four years when there's so much other things that are important 
in their academic life, especially in an institution like Oberlin? Right. I mean, I think that's a great question, right? I think sometimes you think you get it figured out and you're, but it's a, it's a constant struggle, right? Like it's finding that right fit. It's getting people on campus. It's getting them around the people here to see if they feel like it could be home. Um, it's us going to the right events. And I think trying to target a lot of those high academic recruiting events or those areas where we know we can go into the gym and, and look at a lot of people. And it's not just kind of going to one of those, um, you know, a bigger one and not knowing who we're looking at, right? Like by that point, we have to be following around a handful that, you know, are locked in and, and absolutely are looking for that high academic environment. Um, I think we have been able to not steal Ohio kids, right? But but keep a few Ohio kids here, which has been good. Whereas as in um, years previously, like we didn't have Ohio kids on the roster and only 6% of our student body is from Ohio. So I think for us, it's it's exciting to be able to pull an Ohio kid and, and keep them here because it's like, hey, like, you're actually in the minority here. You get to meet people from all over the country. You're going to have teammates from both coasts and, you know, like your best friends are going to be, um, you know, just very geographically diverse in terms of that. But it's also really fun to be able to go to West Coast events, to be able to go to the New England area and know that we can also pull people to this nice little um, rural Ohio town um, and it can be a really good fit for them. So it's a lot of different pieces. I think mainly then it is getting them here and knowing that we want them to take advantage of the whole Oberlin experience. But at the same time, um, for us, I think we are at that point where we want to win championships. We want to be really competitive every single year. So it's finding that person that can absolutely embrace the Oberlin experience, but also basketball is a priority and basketball and that experience, like they can't imagine their four years without it. And they want to help take our program to that next level of success. And quickly, does that also have to be an all um, athletic department mentality or to help? In other words, say, hey, listen, we're not the only program. The, this yeah. team does well. This team does well. This one's starting to improve, et cetera. Or can it be an individual team thing where you don't need to worry about the other department? I mean, I think we, our department is continuing to to move in that right direction. Um, I think it's easier, obviously, when you can point to that and and point to our track and field team who's competitive every single year and has just built a tremendous culture within their program. Um, our men's lacrosse team has really started to take off and started to compete. So I think that absolutely makes it easier when you can say, hey, look where these teams are going. And look at the support that we have. And we do, we have tremendous support with our administration and um, Natalie and Craig in our athletic administration, but from a whole too, President Ambar is just an outstanding leader is, you know, at athletic events and gets the importance of athletics and what it means to the Oberlin community. So I think it's absolutely an all encompassing community thing to, to know and to really appreciate the importance of athletics at a division three institution and at a high academic division three institution. And then one like Oberlin, which is probably different in its own ways, but is like such a special place. And, um, you know, when people know, and when they're here and it's a fit, it's, you know, it's, it's really clear. And I think it's, it's an amazing place to be for sure. I appreciate the insight and the time and, and not only about the team, but about the institution as well. Oberlin always up there in the ranks of, uh, you know, some of the best academic institutions in the country. So I appreciate the uh, insight from your perspective on that as well, especially considering you went to Kenyon. So, you yeah. know, a little bit, a little bit of a rival perspective right, from that right. as an alum. 
yeah, I like I like both schools. So yeah, I know. Oh no, no, head, <laughs> yeah. head, sit right we'll on that fence. That, yeah. I get it. Yep. No, you got to do that. <laughs> hey, I appreciate the time, Stephanie. Thanks so much. Uh, good luck the rest of the season. Look forward to keeping an eye on your squad and and see how the season progresses. And and hopefully we're talking about you in the end of February and the beginning of March as well. But no no pressure. Uh, we, <laughs> we know it'll get there eventually. Uh, in the meantime, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, just watch women's basketball, right? Follow that. Um, follow these games because it's you know continuing to grow at all levels. But we have a great brand of basketball here, so continue to support and thank you for all that you do, Dave, and and putting us out there and and just making um, you know making a name for Division Three women's basketball and continuing to support us. Absolutely, I appreciate your time. Uh, it's a lot easier to do it when we have people like yourself coming on to talk. And uh, enjoy the holidays. Enjoy the rest of the season, and we'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. Sounds good. Thank you. Stephanie Dunmire joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Once again, thank you to Stephanie Dunmire for joining us on the show. Hey, listen, that Oberlin team may be one to watch. Uh, might fit under the category of flying under the radar a little bit when we talk to the guys coming up here shortly, Riley Zayas and Scott Peterson. We'll see if they even are talking or thinking about Overland. But listen, good start to the season. A little untested, maybe. I mean, a win over Baldwin Wallace in overtime isn't really untested. They, uh, that Chatham team is one maybe we should be keeping an eye on as well. Well, I don't know. I, that Jumping up on my radar with that win. Uh, of course, NCAC play will be... Uh, Paramount in uh, the conference with DePaul, et cetera, will be fascinating to watch. So we'll see how that all plays out coming up. Uh, real quick note, Stephanie's partner, Molly, used to work in the Old Dominion Athletic Conference for a long time. Actually, that's how the two of them met. Um, tip of the hat to Molly. We always love Molly, and uh, we miss her great quite a bit. But Stephanie's doing pretty well there at Oberlin, so it all makes sense. Take another break. When we come back, we'll talk about the new top 25 out in women's basketball. And Riley and Scott will join me with their thoughts on the first month of the season in women's hoops. Listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more when we come back. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk, ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. 
but I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division three athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How it wouldn't change it for the world. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future. I used to never really talk. Welcome back, everybody. Cutting the stream off right there, the ad going on. Uh, I, I think you'll understand. You may have seen it already. Talking women's basketball. By the way, quick update, though. The final score from Christopher Newport. They got past Aver at 61-50. I wouldn't say that's the best game the captains have played, but they did outscore themselves in the second half, and they shot better in the second half. So captains Christopher Newport on the men's side with a win, 61-50. That's kind of the big marquee game. There is a good women's game going on tonight. Rhode Island College is taking on Springfield. Uh, actually, let me... Uh, 
check on that when we get the guys in here to see what the live stats is telling us. Ah, it's Rhode Island College in control. Uh, late in that game, they're up 41-25. They've only allowed 25 points to Springfield in this one, including four in the second quarter alone. Uh, new Top 25 is out, and we'll get the guys on right away to talk about it. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it's our buddy. Let's try that again. Join us on the Hoopsville Hotline. It's our, our buddies and our deep dive guys. On women's basketball, it is Scott Peterson and Riley Zayas. If you're looking at the screen, Scott is the one on your left. Riley's dead center because we've decided to line him up with the target, and I'm sitting on the right. Uh, if you got questions for us, you can try and tweet us. We'd be happy to try and answer your questions. No promises if they're good. They're going to be good answers or not. Um, and you can always, uh, that information scrolling at the bottom of your screen as well gentlemen first and foremost thanks for taking the time second of all it's been a fun little start to the season uh scott we, we i would say there's a lot that we know and there's a lot we don't know yeah i think we have a lot more top teams playing other top teams which means more losses but um i think a lot more fun for fans to watch yeah well, well said, uh, Riley. Your your initial just gut reaction to the opening month. It's been fun, right? It really has, and there's been so many results. I mean, we, Scott and I obviously have been talking about this on on X Twitter a lot. Uh, I mean, just so many different you know games going back and forth. We've both been tweeting out final scores. It seems like every <laughs> night of, of surprising results or big results, and you love to see that. You love to see teams testing themselves well in non conference play. It, definitely produces some quality results and i think it's definitely contributed to the way that i voted in the top 25 so far getting to see a lot of these teams in action against other top 25 caliber teams it's, it's a great thing for the sport it's funny i thought we put an age restriction into those who voted in the top 25 and riley keeps sneaking past <laughs> i don't get it i'm kidding riley um no, great, good, good way of putting it. Good way of getting things started. Let's just get right into the meat and the and uh, of what everyone's talking about because I think it, it caught a number of people by surprise. I certainly got some emails about it that Transylvania, who had been the preseason number one, didn't hold on to that number one despite not losing to NYU. And listen, I can be on the, any side of the fence on this one. If you want to really ar- have me argue it, I'll argue why I think Transylvania should stay number one. I'll argue why I think NYU certainly deserves it. I'm kind of curious, though, and, and I, I realize you both might be voting for the same team, but I am kind of curious. NYU's got 21st place votes. Transylvania's got five. Riley, where do you sit on this fence? Yeah, Dave, I've had NYU as my number one since the preseason. And, Fascinating. You know, Transylvania is certainly, um, you know, they're certainly a high caliber team, right? You watch them play. I watched them several times this year. Uh, there's a reason why they won the national title last year. There's a reason why they're right there again this year, right? They bring back a lot of talent. But NYU, you just look at the level that they're playing at right now. And it's one of those things where in the preseason we saw that Morgan Morrison was coming in from Smith and Megan Bauman's coming in from Babson. And they bring back, I mean, NYU, it, it, with just the returning production, is already going to be a top-five team. Then you bring in those two big grad transfers, and all of a sudden you have increased talent, increased experience, and just a huge, really, really talented rotation there. Um, and once we saw NYU on the court, I, I admittedly, I, I wasn't sure, voting for them number one in the preseason, what it was going to look like when we actually saw them out there on the court. But – 
so far it's it's just been everything that I thought they would be. Uh, very competitive, very strong team that just seems to be very uh, very skilled on both ends of the floor to the point that I'm not really sure at this point who's going to be able to knock them off. And it's going to take a lot for me to take them out of that number one spot, even with a loss or two in UAA play. Interesting. Uh, great perspective on that. Scott, where do you sit? Same. It's been NYU since the preseason. I think the previous year gives you information about the teams, but you don't get any points for how you finished in the last year. And Transylvania, while they brought back a lot, they lost a lot too. Guard play is really, really important in Division Three, and they lost one of the nation's best guards. Um, and besides an awesome point guard, a post presence that scores in the post is also super rare, and that's what Morgan Morrison is. And so um, I you know, the early season results have really borne it out. NYU is blowing out opponents. They are winning the points, the rebounds, and the turnovers against good opponents. Transylvania is doing the same, but to a lesser degree and has had fewer tests. Um, I still think Transylvania is my overwhelming number two, which is nothing um, nothing bad at all. But NYU is just overwhelming talent, and they are showing it on the court right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously you guys don't buy into the, well, they were the defending national champs, so they stay number one until, until something happens to change their mind. Obviously you guys don't buy into that, but... It, it goes to show you, I think, well said by both of you guys, that when you have a well-rounded team and you're getting the results, and I know you two have been voting since the preseason NYU, but from your perspective, Scott, do you think that's what the voters happened? They said, listen, I'll give it to Transylvania. Then they started seeing the NYU results and went, wait, hold on. I, I, I can't stay here on this train. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing voters every week, I think, between two to five, it looks like kind of flip towards NYU. And I mean, it, to me, to me, it's just overwhelming talent. It's one thing to hear that a school is getting a great recruiting class or they brought back a lot of graduating talent, but the, like to add Morrison and Bauman is almost an unprecedented amount of talent to add. Right. We're going to talk about other teams that added Hildebrandt or Toomey or Bardich, like great players. Um, but you add two of them that are fifth year seniors, um, it's kind of, I think it is unprecedented. No, I agree with you. Riley, any final thoughts on, on the NYU Transylvania combo? Yeah, I completely agree with Scott on that. I just think when, when you bring in that kind of talent, for me too, it wasn't even just the fact that Morrison and Bauman were coming in as you know first-team All-Americans. It was the experience that they brought, right? And I think that's very, very key in Division Three, especially. They played in these big-time games. They know what it's like to play in front of these huge atmospheres and uh, they've they, they've immediately come in and made an impact. And I think that just speaks to the talent level that they've brought with them and, all, you know, the talent level that was already there for NYU. So, yeah, I completely agree with, with everything Scott just said. Well said, guys. Let's pivot. If it wasn't NYU and Transylvania, it'd be an interesting conversation. Maybe who's the best team in the land? Because while there's a, maybe more losses at the start of this season than we're accustomed in women's basketball, Scott, there's still some teams who are still playing Really good. Anybody else that you think is playing really some top-notch basketball right now? First name I go to is Whitewater. They played an incredible schedule last year and lost. Even so, um, they won a ton of games, but they lost more than I was expecting to last year. I thought that they were really, really strong. And even against that tough schedule, they lost more than I was expecting them to. Um, but they went far in the tournament. I think it was either Sweet 16 or Elite 8. But this year, 
they're doing great. They added a transfer, um, Katie Hildebrandt, and it really appears that she has unlocked a lot about that team because they graduated some really good production. Um, but she's a tall player who fits into their scheme well, but also shoots the three. And it seems like Aaliyah Grundahl's already good numbers have completely taken off. Um, and they're just a tough team to beat because they are very, they're very tall and they're very athletic. And I think they can overwhelm a lot of uh, pretty much every other school with their size. That's a good point. By the way, we talked to Carrie Carrillo recently. So if you missed that conversation, go back to the Hoopsville archives. Great chat with her about the expectations for that team and the dynamics going on, including the transfer, as you point out. Riley, who's on your list of teams that you think are playing really well right now? Yeah, Dave, you know, on my list was was Whitewater, but also Illinois Wesleyan. I think Illinois Wesleyan, for me, has just really shown that they can compete with the best. They went down to the wire against Whitewater uh, for one, and they're just a team right now that within a CCIW that's going to be really tough this year. They're 9-2 overall. You know, they got wins over Puget Sound, Wash U, Carroll, who just, you know, Carroll knocked off Milliken this past weekend. Um, you know, they took it to Wheaton without Lauren Huber. They've been playing without her the last few weeks, uh, which is really important. I think it, it speaks to the depth uh, that, you know, Illinois Wesleyan has. And that's one of the things that's been most impressive to me about everything that they've done up to this point is they've done it at times without some of their best players. But at the same time, several players are stepping up into those roles. Uh, there's just incredible depth and experience. And I think it goes to show you when you bring back a good group and, and you bring in some key players, Ava Bardich, you know, comes in as a transfer and immediately makes an impact in that starting lineup. You know, it can go a long way when you have that core group that's really bought in and, and plays quality defense. I mean, I think their defense has just improved game after game. It's given some teams, including Whitewater, some real challenges. And for me, Illinois Wesleyan is, is sitting right there, top 15 in the country. They got a big one against Chicago coming up on Saturday, and that will be a good test for them. They've already played a quality schedule up to this point, and Chicago will just add to that uh, in terms of what they've done you know, in non-conference play. No, I agree. Really could make that CCIW race fascinating if Mia's – uh, Smith's gotten that uh, program back up to where we're so accustomed. By the way, quick note, looks like Bob Quillman saying something about really loves Riley. I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, anybody else in this category before we ask you about some other categories? Anybody else that either one of you is kind of noticing is playing really well right now? Yeah, I'd highlight Scranton as well. Mm. Um, they were they were strong last year, probably a little bit earlier exit from the tournament than we were expecting, um, but they've added a lot of a lot of new talent between Victoria Toomey and Keely Romanowski and a few others that I'm forgetting their names. But recently, um, a lot of their top scorers have been scoring a lot more. They blew out a team who's a decent team. And I, I think they're, they look like a really strong team. They've got height, they've got experience, they've got depth. Um, and I think they are, they're in probably my top, five and i think there's a kind of a clear five at least for me along with rhode island college would be that fifth one yeah, that, yeah that, look, look. go ahead that was just go. gonna say that landmark race could be absolutely insane um this year with elizabethtown catholic and moravian and others go ahead Riley. yeah just one more to add a little bit further down on that top 25 but johns hopkins has really impressed me too this year i mean eight and one overall only losses to nyu they've beaten you know wash U, marymount gaysburg muhlenberg muhlenberg beat to sales Earlier in the season, they beat Dickinson this past weekend. 
just really impressed with what they've done so far. Um, I think they're playing well together right now, a cohesive team. They've shown consistency. I like to see that in a team that I'm voting for in the top 25. So credit to Johns Hopkins, you know, first, you know, Rodney Rogan, first year as head coach there, and he's doing a good job leading that program so far. Yeah, absolutely. First years sometimes don't always have the easiest ride because you're trying to shuffle things up. Just looked on the men's side, and then no knock on Ryan Kane, but you know Johns Hopkins is not having that same success on the men's side. All right, so those are the teams that have been playing pretty well. Any teams that have actually surprised you, Riley? Yeah, to be honest, I think Smith has imp- you know surprised me a little bit. Uh, you know, coming to this year, I didn't really know what to expect, considering the fact that they lost quite a bit of key talent from last year. They graduated several players, uh, but what I've seen so far from them, it certainly hasn't been a, a perfect product by any means. But they've shown up in in these big games. You know, they've they've beaten quality teams, and I like what I've seen so far from them. Uh, just going throughout the course of the, the non-conference play, especially. I mean, we know the new Mac's going to be really competitive. Uh, Sophia Rosa has come in, you know, grad transfer from Tufts, started all 24 games on that Sweet 16 team for Tufts back in 21-22. In she's made a huge impact for Smith so far. I think she's right around 15 points per game, seven rebounds. Um, they're on a four-game win streak currently, you know, win, wins over Trinity, Connecticut, uh, and Williams especially stick out to me. And so I just think that Smith is is playing better than I thought they would be at this point and uh, definitely gives me some confidence as they head into conference play here in the second half of the season that they may be back in, in the NCAA tournament and, and really back in that, you know, kind of second weekend conversation for us as, as we progress further. I need to see them a little bit more, but but they've surprised me a little bit in terms of, of what they've done in this early part of the year. Yeah, Lynn Hersey. I mean, listen, we, we knew she had talent the last few years, but I think she's proving to be a darn good recruit, especially to a single-sex college. But on top of that, being a pretty darn good coach and can adjust to what she's got. Scott, who, who's jumping out to you as a surprise? One team that's surprised me and not in a good way has been Baldwin-Wallace. They were a strong team last year. They won a lot against a good strength of schedule. And this year, they've kind of struggled. They do have a couple good wins, but they also have a couple losses we didn't expect and a couple narrow wins over teams that we would have expected them to beat by a lot more. It doesn't look like they're getting any production from a newcomer, um, which makes it tough. Um, They did return a lot of their production from last year, but they just are not getting production from any newcomers. And I'm not sure that they're a top 75 team this year. I think, um, you know, who knows? Uh, it's a very long season and we've already seen teams that we really like start poorly and teams that we weren't so sure on start great and almost all um, teams go in runs, right? Three to four games yeah. and it changes a lot. Um, and I definitely think Baldwin Wallace will still be a factor in region seven. Um, but I'm, I'm surprised that I haven't seen more from them this year. It's an interesting point. Uh, you know, so we just had, you know, Dunmire on, obviously they're, they're t- that Oberlin team got a, a, two overtime win over at BW and you know Gettysburg first game out of the block a tired Gettysburg team who played a four overtimes in their exhibition game against the D1 UMBC were throttling them at one point before Baldwin Wallace kind of woke up so that's an interesting point but not even in your top 75 that's kind of an interesting one to ponder I'll be I'll be fascinated to see how that turns around granted they always seem to be in it by the end of the season but yeah we'll see mm-hmm. how it plays out all right so those are your surprises. We talked about some of the teams that we, we you guys have thought are playing really well to start this campaign. I'm curious, 
Anybody who's not seemingly on the radar right now that is standing out to you, i.e., whether it's good or bad, but, you know, maybe they're not getting top 25 love. Maybe voters, or not even voters, but just general fans, including myself, haven't noticed how well they're playing. I know one jumped out at me today. That was Chatham. I don't know if I just mentioned one of them that you guys have, but, Scott, who kind of is flying under the radar a bit for you? I'm going to highlight Concordia Moorhead. Um, they lost to Whitewater and Stevens Point early in the year, and I think kind of got them off of everyone's radar really quickly. But they've put together a really nice stretch since. I think it can be hard to get a handle on the Mayak because they play so few non-conference games. But in the non-conference games that the Mayak has played this year, they've done well in them. And so I think Concordia's, I think, recent five wins against Mayak opponents, I think that those are worthy wins, and they've been doing so impressively. Um, and I expect them to keep rolling in the Mayak, and I'm really interested to see them face off uh, with Gustavus. Yeah, that's a good one. That, they've been on and off my radar. That's that that could make that Mayak race fascinating too. In its final throes of being the gauntlet that it is, uh, Riley, who's off the radar for you? Yeah, one team that I'm going to mention, Dave. I, I I don't have them on my ballot this week, but but UW Platteville has impressed me, and I think they're continuing to trend upwards towards mm. the top 25 spot for me. They're you know five and two overall. The losses are to to Hope and Milliken, right? And and those are two really quality teams. They beat Loris on the road, and they beat them 71-57. I thought that win was really big for that program. And you know, Loris is not far off my ballot either. Um, I know they're still on a few people's ballots, but you know, to go to Loris and win is, is really impressive. This is a team that just continues to get better. And I think, you know, if you remember last year, this was a team that that beat Loris, they beat WashU, and they beat UW-Whitewater twice. And they were still right at the bottom of the WIAC. I think they've taken a step forward this year and kind of, you know, they showed it in flashes last year. But this year it seems to be more consistent uh, where they're putting these wins together. They got a lot of young talent. And that young town, uh, you know, several players who started last year as freshmen and sophomores are now uh, stepping up and, and have that experience on their belts. And, and they're playing with a little bit more confidence at this point. And I think we're seeing that for Platteville, that that WIAC race, as always, is going to be an interesting one. And I think Platteville is a name that people need to be keeping an eye on right there with Whitewater, right there with UW Stout. If they could split the season with Whitewater, and I'm obviously looking way down the road here. That would be a pretty incredible step forward for that program, even if they've done it in the past, but on top of what they're doing already. It's not the, oh, they got a win because no one was paying attention. It's more like they got the win because they earned it. That's that's a good pick. I, I I'm Admittedly, Concordia Moorhead's been in and off my radar a little bit. I've been watching them. Platteville hasn't been, so eh, now I'm noting them, going over to check them out. Good job. Do you, Dave, do you have time for a lightning round of a couple more? Uh, you go for it because uh, let's see here. Um, yeah, I've only got the big one left, so yeah, I'm ready for lightning round stuff all the time. Let's go for it. To go real quick, I think MIT is flying under the radar. They just got some votes in this this poll. Huh. I think losing by 33 to NYU will put a lot of people off of them. Yeah, but that, I would, that was startling. <laughs> I would discount that. They lost narrowly to Colby, who I think is better than we think. Um, and they have since beat Tufts and Trinity uh, of Connecticut. And so I think True. MIT is is moving up. Um, I think Vassar is an interesting one. They did lose yeah. to SUNY New Paltz narrowly, but they've since beat Ithaca and they've beat Skidmore. They beat Skidmore by double digits. Yeah, Vassar uh, had a really hot start to the season that uh, that caught my eye. That that 
kind of surprised me. I wasn't expecting that out of them. I also like Gettysburg. You said they were really impressive against that um, Division One team. They lost narrowly to Baldwin Wallace, narrowly to Johns Hopkins, but had a really nice win over Dickinson. And so I'm excited to see them play. Um, that win over Dickinson was startling. I was there. I'm calling the games for Gettysburg primarily. Um, Dickinson surprised me at how not as good as I was expecting them to be. Um, maybe if they're listening, a little too distracted on whether they thought calls were calls or calls weren't calls. Just just a thought. Um, and it was more of the, not the players on the court. Gettysburg's interesting because I think last year they hit this little bit of a lull where the recruiting wasn't what they expected. They got some good players, don't get me wrong. Didn't have a lot of them. They've got a lot of really good freshmen right now. Um, some have kind of their minutes have gone down. And I think they're coming back up and sophomores and that's starting to come together. What's scary about that team is they have one senior, I think. Yeah. They are getting 51% of scoring from freshmen and sophomores and 89% from non-seniors. Yeah. That is what is scary about that squad for Nate. They're going to have their ups and downs. I think the Hopkins game is an example of a down. Um, and the Baldwin Wallace is an example. First game out of the gate, and that really matters. And they don't know how to put forty minutes together just yet. Um, quick side note: I'll say it now because I haven't had a chance. There is a player on the team named Mara McHugh. No relation, okay? No relation. <laughs> Same spelling. I appreciate Nate going out and getting a McHugh for the broadcast, uh, but no relation. We haven't actually even met yet, um, but I did get a kick out of that. No, listen, I've been kind of quiet about them because I don't want to be, oh, I, I broadcast their games. But no, they're if it if they're building, and this is just a year to build, next year is going to be scary is just my read on it. But no, I think they have a shot to matter this year. Well, no, I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying yeah. you, we brought up Hopkins earlier. It's going to be another gauntlet in that conference with Hopkins. I thought Dickinson was going to be a factor. I think they're going to be all over the place, honestly. I expected a lot more and to lose by 30 to Gettysburg, and, and it wasn't a great game. I don't think Gettysburg played exceptionally well in that game. They played good. They just didn't, you know, it wasn't like their best game of the season. Um, that's why I'm saying if they can't get past the Hopkins because Hopkins is playing so well. But, listen, there's also some other sleepers in that centennial will be worth watching. But, no, I, I've, I've enjoyed watching the Bullets so far this season. Sorry, didn't mean to derail your lightning round, sir. Oh, my only last one was Stevens Point. Um, they're undefeated. They have a nice win over Concordia Moorhead. They've also won at Ripon and beat St. Norbert. Um, unfortunately, they don't really have another test until Wyack play begins. Uh, but they're definitely one to watch and see, like, hey, can they go better than 50% in Wyack play um, or not? So far tonight, we have mentioned Whitewater, Stout, Platteville, and Stevens Point. Out of the WIAC. We are used to doing that on the men's side. I think this might be, and, and by the way, we haven't even mentioned Oshkosh, who you know is going to be in the mix. That is a deep women's conference this year. It is. We haven't mentioned River Falls either. Oh, good point. Whew. <laughs> that WIAC could be brutal this year. Um, any others? Riley, anything else? Because I, I got I got one more major question I want to ask you guys, but we can certainly chat with anything else. But Riley, anything else that we haven't brought up that you, you it's kind of sitting on your mind? Yeah, just throwing one more in addition to everything. Uh, Scott just went through. Bowden really has impressed me. I, I, you know, I think you, know, you, you look at things, and this is actually something that uh, as you look at the numbers, I mean, they're 8-1. They beat Springfield. 
they actually beat that Colby team that, that Scott just mentioned as being pretty good. Colby's, Colby's been another impressive one for me. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you to, to start off eight and one with some of the quality wins that they have, um, I think they're a team to keep an eye on. I don't know if they're top 25 caliber for me just yet. Uh, they're not on my ballot this week, but I think they could be at some point. Uh, definitely a team to keep an eye on, especially as you get into NESCAC play and they start playing some really quality teams week in, week out. This could be a team that can make some noise that may not be on everyone's radar, especially in a very deep NESCAC. I mean, you want to talk about deep conferences, the NESCAC is always right there. Um, and, and it's going to be another really, really competitive league this year. Yeah, I think I'm curious how Amherst is going to play this year. Um, I don't want to say they're off anybody's radar, but they, they, they aren't making the waves like they normally do. I'm I curious. like Amherst a lot. What'd you say? They haven't played. They haven't played anyone yet. No, they really haven't. It's hard, it's hard to know. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think they passed the eye test, and I I have high hopes for them, but it's hard to know at this point. No, it's a good point. Hey, listen, I, I we we cursorily mentioned Rhode Island College. I I've actually blown away by what Rhode Island is doing. Jenna Cosgrove's a good coach. We know that, but it's usually they kind of go along, go along, go along, and by the time we get to late January, February, we're like, hey, you know, Rhode Island College is probably a good team. They're doing that now. And if they continue that the rest of the way, they they could be a juggernaut and kind of, I mean, they've got some huge wins already this season, including over some NESCACs. That could, I I think they've kind of tilted things a little bit up there in the Northeast. And maybe the road doesn't go through Boston. Maybe it doesn't go through other parts of Massachusetts this season. It might be going through Providence, Rhode Island, um, the way they're playing. I've been really impressed with Cosgrove and shameless plug. She was on our show just a couple weeks ago as well but i'm really impressed with what they're doing i am too i mean they added sophia guerrier maggie mckitchen um i had a few others on here olivia no not olivia middleton yeah i mean it's really guerrier and mckitchen and maggie schwab are three like key pieces they added to um olivia middleton came back for a fifth year and then most everybody else and again, it's just, it's a lot of talent. And when you can add um, big talent, not through the recruiting cycle, I, it can really change what your team is quickly. I believe that happened to Colby, that happened to Catholic, and some teams that maybe we weren't expecting to be what they are right now um, because of transfers. Good point. Uh, by the way, Chicago's a team that I, I keep getting put in my ear by a number of coaches. Really impressed with how the Maroons are playing. Um, and, and that's They're a program. A yeah. And UAA is going to be a beast as it always is, but yeah, I mean, NYU, Chicago, maybe Wash U's in there in the mix. A couple, you Emory. know, Emory absolutely yeah, can't Emory. discount Rochester. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating run to say the least. By the way, quick note, uh, before I get to your best game that you guys have seen so far, uh, well, we're going to have a great time out in Las Vegas, and I would tell everybody to watch what we're doing in, in Las Vegas at the D3Hoops.com Classic. And we mentioned it earlier with Stephanie. That Marietta event um, at the end of December is sneaky. You've got Trine, Marietta, um, Oberlin will be there, and Mount Aloysius is going to be there. Am I miss? Oh, Gettysburg's going to be there. Who did I, I screw up there? Marietta, nope, Trine, I think, Gettysburg. I think it's more than four. And I was going to say like, it's more than four, isn't it? I think Carnegie Mellon is going to be there. Okay. That is Cole has kind of sneakily put a little bit of a doozy of a of a of an event down there. 
Uh, Stephanie joked there's nothing else to do uh, in Marietta, so maybe uh, just go to the game. But seriously, if I'm those players, I do. I go watch Gettysburg. I go watch uh, Trine. I go watch Marietta, who you know is going to be probably at least a, a pretty good team. You go watch these other programs and see how they play and because those are the types of teams you're going to need to be ready for out of conference should you make the NCAA tournament. That's a sneakily good tournament. If By the way, if neither of you guys have anything better to do, though the D3Hoops.com Classic is where you should go. If you need a second option, you listen, maybe Southern Ohio is where you should go. I'll be there at the D3Hoops uh, Classic, uh, Dave. We lost so your eye. What? I'll be there at the, at the D3Hoops Classic. Classic, Dave. So looking forward to being out there. Some good basketball. Smart, smart, sir. You are a smart man. You know where you need to go. You know where the event you need to attend. I applaud you for your smart decisions. <laughs> Speaking of events, we got to sneak you into. Um, all right. Best game you've seen so far. You could have either seen them in person or you could have seen them online. I don't care. Best game you've seen so far. Riley, we'll start with you because um, you've had some interesting ones. I know you've been tracking. What, what What's on your radar? Yeah, Dave, I, I wasn't there for this one in person, but got the chance to watch it. And, you know, the, the matchup between UW-Whitewater and Illinois-Wesleyan was just a, a thrilling matchup for all four quarters. You know, back on November 21st, you know, Whitewater pulls out an 82-80 win. Huge result for both teams. I thought this was a game where Illinois-Wesleyan really solidified themselves as a top 25 team. I thought Whitewater just showed how good they were going on the road, beating a really talented Illinois Wesleyan squad and, and to win on the road in that kind of environment. That's one of the, one of the more hostile environments I would say in the Midwest and, and to go there, get the win. It was tough. I mean, Whitewater needed a fourth quarter comeback to pull out that win fast paced game uh, throughout. And I just thought both teams really played well. There was, there was very few miscues and I thought just a lot of great, great moments throughout the game, both on, on both ends of the floor, really. Um, and, and you know, Every game Illinois Wesleyan's played this year against top teams has just been exciting. It's just great basketball, and, and you always get the same with Whitewater, right? I mean, these are two really quality teams with experienced players that have been in these moments before. And so if there was any game that I've seen up to this point, there's certainly been some others, but uh, this had an NCAA tournament-type feel throughout the entire thing. You, you can just tell. Both teams were, were intense. They were ready to go. And uh, I thought this was was the best event, you know, in terms of, of games that I've seen throughout this year. Um, just a non-conference game on Tuesday night in Bloomington, Illinois. And uh, those are the games that you're going to point to come Selection Monday, right, when you're looking at quality results and things and how things factored in, right? Results go all the way back to November. This is going to be one of those that you point to. No, you're right. And if the Titans are really back in it, because they've been a little bit off from what we've been so used to, if they're truly back in it, wow, that's going to certainly make things more interesting out there. Add in Milliken, add in Carroll. As we said earlier, that CCIW race could be absolutely, I mean, we've now what? Named four conference races NESCAC, UAA, CCIW, uh, Landmark, maybe the, the, uh, the Centennial, the WIAC race. Listen, there's going to be some fun in women's basketball this season. Scott, best game you've seen, sir. So I had three answers. One was okay. anything involving Illinois Wesleyan. Um, second was Milliken and Platteville. I thought that was an incredible game that went down to the wire. You wish you could have given out fractional wins to both teams, but you can't. Uh, but the one that I want to talk about is Gustavus Adolphus over Wisconsin Stout. 
Um, because I think oftentimes in division three, you see a lot of the offense coming from turnovers or overwhelming size or an already good shooting team that just has a really hot night. Um, and that is not what you saw from Gustavus. You saw like an offensive plan with pick and rolls, judicious back cuts. Everything was crisp and they were shooting 70% in the third quarter. And it didn't feel like a crazy shooting night because of how high quality their looks were. And it also wasn't because Stout's defense was just falling over themselves. It just, it was a different kind of offense than I'm used to seeing. And I was very impressed. They felt like a really big team, but when I broke down their scoring, their scoring, their minutes adjusted height, they're a very average sized team. Um, and it was just an impressive offensive display. And I wish we got to see them in more non-conference games. Um, but next year, sir, next year, next year, I can't wait. Everyone's going to just, all of a sudden, every Mac team has an SOS. That's 40 points higher. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it will be a glorious time. Um, by the way, talk to Lori, their head coach, uh, recently too. This is just perfectly for promos. Um, and, and she talked about the, the enjoyment that that's going to bring. I still wish maybe they could free it up a little bit more. It feels like they're still a little bit tight on how many conference games take place. But it's going to be an improvement, and that's going to be fun. You're right. That stout game stood out to me as well. Um, I didn't get a chance to see it. But the result and what I saw in it certainly stood out to me. Um, do you guys have time for anything else? You guys watch so much basketball. It's it's you and Ryan Scott who put us all to shame. <laughs> you, you want just more thoughts in general? Sure, fire at me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I have. Um, well, here's my question for you moving forward. It's just going to not tell you I had it, but I wanted to get your thoughts heading into it. Holidays are coming. we got this break here. we got some teams are going to take some lulls and then have to fire back up for some big games. you got others who will kind of just piecemeal it as they go along. And then we get into what we've already discussed are going to be some bonker conference races as we get into the start of January. This is kind of a weird time. Is it for you... And enjoyment is catch your breath before you get to January. You'll catch some games here and there. Or are you going to try and pick out every game possible you can watch, Scott, and make sure that you're still as invested as you are in January and February as you now will be in mid-December? I mean, we still get great games, especially in Puerto Rico and some of the holiday tournaments. Yeah, it's true. And we get some cross-region games. I mean, I think Loris versus Elizabethtown in Puerto Rico might – be the most important pool C game we have this entire year. That's a great, like, I, huh. I think it could be an absolute play in game, which we just almost rarely have or have any sense about this early in the year. Um, and we'll probably but, get no video out of it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But I mean, that game's a massive game. That's a great point. No, great point. And yeah, it's in Puerto Rico because they happen to come together. There's a couple coaches who said, listen, I, I wanted to challenge ourselves and they're able to find these events where some other teams are are participating. It's really good. Riley, what about you? Yeah, I'll just add to that, you know, you got a, a tournament there, the Music City Classic in, in Nashville, like the 19th and the 20th, and we got some really, really good teams going there. Christopher Newport will be there notably and uh, get a matchup against Whitman. That will be interesting uh, to see how those teams play. So I think we got a lot of great matchups throughout. I mean, they may not be, uh, you know, some of these Wednesday nights, it feels like we've had just back to back to back top 25 teams battling it out. 
for the entire night. We may not have that, but there's going to be a lot of a lot of great basketball. And honestly, you know, from a top 25 voters perspective, I think these games are really, really important. Uh, we have a little bit of time till we submit our next next ballot. And I think these are the games that are going to matter. You know, teams are getting to the tail end of their non-conference schedules. And for some of them, this is really the last chance to get a key RRO win. So, you know, these are big games for these teams. And there may be less of them in terms of top quality. But we, we won't have very long without some great basketball. I mean, we're going to go for the next several weeks with some great tournaments. Um, obviously, right after Christmas, we got some really, really good tournaments. You mentioned the one, Marietta. We got some good ones, you know, happening at the D3 Hoops Classic and, and, you know, across the country, there's some other great games going on as well. So a lot to keep up with from here on out. Yeah. Pace is yourself. It, it, is it at the D3 Hoops Classic where we get Ohio Northern versus Trinity of Texas and Ohio Northern versus Laverne back-to-back nights? I believe. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and we're Trinity just, Framingham we're, as well. We're just spoiled with these cross-region games. Like when do you see Texas and Washington play Midwest? I mean, until the tournament. It's awesome. Yeah, no, and I mean that's the whole point in Vegas. If we get a chance, it doesn't always work out. Um, there's the infamous Amherst versus uh, somebody from basically down the street game that we had a handful of years ago, and it was like a blowout, and we we're all sitting there going, "We didn't want this game. We didn't want them to travel all the way out here to play it." But once in a while, you just get stuck in a game you can't get out of. Quick scoring update: Rhode Island uh, College defeats Springfield 53-40. Springfield actually won 17-12 in the fourth quarter. I have a feeling Rhode Island College probably put the reserves in at some point uh, and coasted that one out. That's the Springfield team, of course, under a new head coach. I'll be watching them. Um, I think that new Mac race is going to be a little bit weird to watch this year. It just feels a little different, but I digress. I don't want to keep you guys. You guys, great stuff. Always love chatting with you guys. Uh, Look forward to Riley seeing you in Vegas. Scott, catching up with you whenever I can and uh, getting you guys back on. So before I let you go, your final thoughts um, as things look here on December 11th, Scott. I think even like probably more than ever before, it takes a judicious eye to look at the teams when more top teams have lost than we are used to. Um, and I think it's awesome for the fan. As I talked to one parent, I said it's probably worse for a parent. Um, but like we're seeing the best measure themselves against the best because the NCAA committee has said, hey, like we value you going out and playing top teams and we won't crush you for losing. Um, and that's how we get more of these matchups. Great point, and and it's clearly resonating with a lot of teams. Uh, it took a little while, maybe a little longer on the women's side for that, but it's it's happening. Riley, your final thought? Yeah, I guess just to kind of add to that, I mean, it definitely makes our jobs as top 25 voters a little tougher when you have so many top teams taking losses or playing close games down to the wire, but I think it's just a testament to where you know, Division Three women's basketball is at this point, and, and seeing these teams play cross-region matchups, it's been great to see. And I just hope that we, we continue to see this year after year. I hope that coaches, you know, are, are willing to go, go out and get these games. And I think as long as we continue to see strong strength of schedules rewarded come tournament time, we'll continue to get these matchups. And it's just been a lot of fun. I mean, the last month has been filled with so many great games. It, it doesn't even feel like it, it feels like it's been longer than a month with how many great matchups we've seen so uh just just kudos to all the coaches out there for going out and getting these tough games and challenging their teams and you know making making this sport so great it's been it's been a lot of fun to cover and follow the last month or so it's crazy to think we're not even halfway through the calendar per se 
Um, and we've already had uh, an incredible start to this. Gentlemen, appreciate it. Uh, enjoy your holidays. We'll look forward to catching up with you down the road. And, uh, well, I know we'll catch up with you on social media and with the games, but uh, enjoy it all the same. Thanks, Dave. Scott Peterson, you, Riley Zayas joining, joining us here on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate them taking the time to do that. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap this show up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete. You're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, being a positive influence. That's being a responsible person. There are over 480,000 college athletes. Only 2% would go pro. That means over 470,000 will not get a shoe contract. No autographs. No private jets. No fan clubs. No Hall of Fame inductions. Instead, they will walk away with something much more valuable. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at NABC1927. That's nabc.com or NABC1927 on social media. And welcome back to Hoops. Hello, everybody. As we wrap up the show here on December 11th, thanks for tuning in. If you got questions for us, even if we're not on the air, you can always email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can also join us on our social media channels. At D3 Hoopsville is really where you can look for us on most of them. The only one that's not that way is Facebook. It's just straight Hoopsville. But YouTube, Twitter, X, Instagram, Threads, we're all at D3 Hoopsville there. Quick look at scores from around uh, the country in the men's side. Case Western Reserve defeated Hiram in a, a little bit higher scoring game than I expected, 104-95. I think we're going to have to chat with Case Western Reserve just a little bit about uh, what they're doing uh, offensively this year. Of course, we'll see them out of the D3Hoops.com Classic. Christopher Newport on the men's side, we mentioned getting past Averett by 11, 61-50 in a game that didn't really blow me away all that much. Rhode Island College on the men's side got past Nichols 60 to 58. I don't think Nichols is having the season many anticipated they would. They're six and three now, having lost two in a row to Western New England and Rhode Island College. Their other loss was the St. Joseph's of Connecticut. Their only significant win that's kind of a, a note to me is they defeated Yeshiva 97 92. They will get into conference play. Um, back into conference play, I should say, on the other side of the break. Got a random game against Southern Maine on December 29th. That might be part of another event that we just don't have their full schedule. I'm looking at the d3hoops.com schedules, um, and we try and fill them in. They're not always perfect, especially this time of year. Uh, other games around men's, MIT con- t- continues to struggle. I feel bad for the engineers. They lost to Huston tonight, 80-66. to um, Anna Marie... Uh, Anna Maria beat Mass College in an interesting score, 99-76. Albertus Magnus on the men's side lost tonight to Hunter, 83-77. That jumps out at me. Albertus was kind of on my radar of a team that I was considering to vote, and and they lose tonight, 83-77 to Hunter. Hunter, um, quick check of Hunter, is 3-7 on the season. That win against Albertus ends as a four-game slide in yeah, their only other wins are Pratt and St. Joseph's of Brooklyn. So that's a surprising result there. Uh, Gwyneth Mercy got the win over Cairn, 91-82. Western Connecticut got past Elms, 90-60. Um, trying to see if there's any other men's scores. Eastern Nazarene got past Framingham State, 97-92. And there's a couple other games that we just haven't noted. On the women's side of the scoreboard, we mentioned the win by Rhode Island College, 53-40 over Springfield. Um, really nothing else jumping out at me. Ah, Geneva got past Hiram, 78-71 in women's basketball action. St. Joseph's Connecticut passed Mass College, 71-39. Uh, Colorado College passed Lewis and Clark, 70-56. MIT women continue to win. They beat Westfield State today, 80-74. to That's a team, again, we'll probably be keeping a closer eye on. We mentioned the women's top 25 is out. Uh, we talked a little bit about the top of that. NYU stays one. Really, the, the top eight all remain the same. NYU, Transylvania, CNU, Rhode Island, um, Whitewater, Scranton, Wartburg, Gustavus. Smith moved um, up from 10th to 9th. 
really because Milliken and ninth fell to 13th with their loss, uh, their first loss of the season. So basically everybody behind them moved up. Smith, Trinity, Texas, and Chicago all moved up a spot. Emory moved up two, and then Milliken slotted in. Harden-Simmons moved up a spot to 14th. Amherst moved up three to 15th. Hope moved up uh, three as well to 16th. Trine stayed the same. DeSales moved up to 18th. Catholic moved up to 19th. Illinois Wesleyan jumped to 20th from 24. Tufts fell from 16th to 21. We were talking earlier about Tufts um, having a little bit of a struggle this season. They've lost two of three now to MIT and NYU. NYU game, though, was close at 16. I think that the loss to MIT is where voters are not giving them some credit. They did beat Emmanuel, their first loss this season to Rhode Island. So they've lost to Rhode Island, MIT, and NYU. Two of those teams are in the top four. MIT is probably going to get some more votes, and they've got wins over St. John Fisher, Roger Williams, Brandeis, Colorado College, New England, and Emmanuel. So it's not like Tufts is having a bad season. I think it's just throwing some voters a little bit. Uh, Whitman moved up 1 to 22. Hopkins is back in the poll at 23. Stout is into the poll at 24. Elizabethtown held at 25. Trinity, Connecticut fell out, as we talked about. And Mary Washington fell out as well. So that was the roundup of the top 25. I thought we talked about it earlier, and I realized I hadn't. Of course, both men's and women's polls are out. Both of them are good talking points. You can go to d3boards.com to talk about them. Don't forget to chat online with uh, friends and, and others around Division Three at d3boards.com. Give them some patience. They are being kind of held together uh, with a little bit of bailing wire and some duct tape, but uh, we're doing our best. But d3boards.com is the place to be to chat Division Three basketball. Of course, you can also find all your information at d3hoops.com. Um, Gordon Mann's doing yeoman's work behind the seasons, uh, the, as he always does this time of year. Uh, and again, check out our friends at D3 Football as well with the big stag bowl coming up. I want to appreciate everybody who tuned in. Great chats with Chris uh, Caridio at Widener and with Stephanie Dunmire at Oberlin. Really enjoyed our conversations with them. And then Riley Zayas and Scott Peterson always bring the heat. Uh, great chatting with them and their take on women's basketball. When we get into January, I've got a couple ideas on how we're going to kind of tackle all this, and I'm not sure what we're going to do. One of them is a little bit more audacious, but it's going to need some sponsors and advertisers to come in for us to do it. The second thought is we are just going to have to find a way to talk men's top 25 on a Monday, probably women's on a Thursday, and also squeeze in some guests as well. It's going to take some some massaging, but that's kind of where we are. The first idea, I'm not kind of revealing, but if you know sponsors, advertisers, or anybody out there who wants to contribute to the show, send them our way. The big idea I've got is going to take takes more time, and if it takes more time, and I want to thank our guys for for participating in it, well, that's gonna that's gonna take some costs to go with it. So that's kind of where our brain is on all of that. Reminder: we will be on the air Thursday and next Monday. Thursday uh, coming up at 7 o'clock Eastern, and Monday, the 18th, coming up at 7 o'clock Eastern. The only one up in the air is the 21st. I have plans to do it. I, I have some topics I'd love to dive into, but if we just aren't seeing the, a reason to be on because there aren't a lot of games going on, we may just officially take our break after the 18th uh, and come back. We'll be back with the first Thursday of January. That's when we would come back from the holidays with the first Thursday in January.
With that, we're going to wrap things up again. Thanks to our guests uh, and, of course, the sports information departments for those schools for their help with these segments as well. We'll be on the air Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern, as we mentioned. For those of you who've been tuning in and want the podcast, I've gotten some messages. I wholeheartedly apologize. We got so derailed with the technical issues back in November when I had a lot of other things going on. It wasn't our usual flow that I've gotten way behind. Time is freeing up, unfortunately, for me. So I will have time this week to finally get those done uh, and turned around and posted officially. So I am looking to get those done. Worst case scenario, um, they'll be done Friday. Best case scenario, and what I'm really hoping to do is spend some time on Wednesday um, around some other obligations to get those taken care of during the day finished and out the door so that by the time we hit the air on thursday those podcasts are done and people can have caught up by then or at least working on catching up etc etc so again i apologize for the delay on the podcast it's just there's more work behind the scenes than we normally have and it makes it a little bit more challenging than you can believe all right so there you go that's it for hoopsville for this uh monday evening thanks for tuning in, everybody hope you're enjoying the top 25s and all the other content that's out there thanks to coach uh Curtio of widener once again thanks to um coach dunmeyer at um oberlin as well and thanks to scott and riley for joining us as well you've been listening to hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com if you want to talk division three basketball you've got to listen to hoopsville thanks for tuning in everybody we'll see you on thursday seven o'clock eastern right here on hoopsville